everybody. Here we are. <laughs> Episode clapping. 30. I'm clapping to give you the spot mark for like the starting of the deck. So you can sync everything, you know? It's for you. I've been doing this for 30 episodes. <laughs> and Brandon just threw us all off. Oh, thanks, Brandon. Yeah, let's ruin it. <laughs> yeah, every time. Yeah. <laughs> I'll Don't stretch the audio so that they both happen at the same time. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we are here with episode 30 of Wood Air and Metal Podcast, interviewing the illustrious, the amazing three fourths of Spherical Agenda because their drummer has to like play drums with somebody else right now. <clears> it's the really Flat Earth Agenda. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh man, let's not get out the spirit levels and fly airplanes all over or make our own steam powered rockets here. Let's just stick to the music because that's the fun <laughs> stuff. That <laughs> oh, gotta start somewhere. Oh, yeah, I guess you know whichever. Either way, I think they buried that guy or something after that. But uh, let's get back to the music and not talk about the the interesting endeavors of the Darwin Awards. So, uh, Adam, why is Spherical Agenda here? Because they're amazing, and they said they would be on our show. Yeah. But why else? No, I was going to get there, but okay, you know, okay. we got sidetracked with steam-powered rockets. Is they have their forthcoming album, full-length album, coming Called out? Steam-powered on- rocket. <laughs> <laughs> that should be our band. We should we should totally do that. But coming out this Sunday, full-length album. Um, so with that, hang on one second. There we go. Da, 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 da. Arcane wisdom is the title, and it's very esoteric. You won't get it. It's amazing. <laughs> but it's seriously, I just got done listening to most of the tracks uh, throughout the day today, and it, it's fantastic. It, if I can yeah, be so bold, I'm just going to say it. It reminds me of Cab and Cab 2, like that level of playing. I was just like, that is just like, this is great. It's the breath of musical fresh air I've been looking for in all of my listening for a while. It's it's really killer. It's going to be great, man. It, uh, I mean, it is great. It's going to be killer once it's out into the wild for all the rest of the populace to enjoy so how did uh how did this start how did this project start well Who wants to go first <laughs> so and well, introduce, uh you know i probably should have introdu- introduced you matt uh um, my bad on that one but i'll just say we have ben tweed and matt wiles and brandon scott coleman is that t at the end silent there ben did i just make a fool myself again yeah. i figured but Somebody's got to be. We should bring it back. (laughs) 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 Anyways, sorry about that, Matt. Go ahead. You were about to interject. Uh, You looked like you were taking the initiative there. uh, I'm I'm trying, but the uh, anyway, I had a I'd always kind of wanted to have a band, uh, you know, in this in this vein, kind of. I mean, it started out. I don't. I didn't. I didn't exactly set out. For it to be strictly any anything, whether it be a fusion band, even though like if you don't really want to be strictly anything, a fusion band is a good thing to be in a lot of ways, you know, uh, because it's that can truly be an all-encompassing thing if you want it to. It's pretty cool, um, and there's a pretty cool tradition of that music. You know, there's a there's a lineage there, mm-hmm. but it it kind of some of it kind of happened by mistake. All, all I could say is the uh, little kind of the brief story of it is I'm like a really big Wayne Krantz fan. Uh, I love, yeah. I love, yeah, I love his, all that, you know, all that ridiculous trio work that he's always done. Specifically, you know, everyone thinks of Tim LaFave and Keith Carlock, um, which is the, 
pretty the quintessential lineup of guys who have such a really unique chemistry in how they play and how they literally take it a phrase at a time and anything anything goes. Um, even tempo can be fluctuate like subjective or you know at any at any moment. I know Wayne would just turn around and look at Keith and just yeah, he'd just say like down and Keith would just like drop into the next phrase like slower and everybody takes a beat and kind of all right and we're here and um sometimes they're playing like this kind of grooving whatever thing the next moment it's insanity just like sometimes it's not even notes sometimes like the ring modulators come on and then it's that for a minute which i'm in love with (laughs) uh oh my god i love that but i i'd always been a fan of that i always wanted to do something like it but as you can imagine that's such a special thing to do and um also we we tried it out brandon and i would play trio sometimes we play with devin a little bit um some things here and there and actually our first show our first actual kind of show ordeal was as a trio and we played in our own like studio rehearsal space we hosted the guys um uh, hosted the band prager from texas are you familiar yeah. with them yeah and we're we've been we've been friends with those guys for several years at this point but uh, we hosted the, you know, the guy, we hosted Prager and we played a little trio set before they played and, you know, had people come over, hang out, and, you know, bring, bring some of your own beer, give some donations, the whole deal. Had a really good time. You know, it was a good, good show. And those guys are so sweet. Uh, really wonderful band. But we did some, we did some trio stuff then. Um, and even though it was fun, it, you know, it never quite, it, it just kind of, I don't know, it never quite hit a point that I think all, all, all three of us were never truly just like, oh yeah, here we are. This is the thing. It it was fun, but it was kind of like, you know, something wasn't happening. So we ended up doing the, uh, you know, the, the kind of the quartet deal, you know, Ben, I guess Ben had moved to town shortly after we did that. So I don't think, I don't think he was around yet. Um, I think I was, but I was like in my first year of school and yeah. was still kind of getting situated in town sure what year was that that? do you remember my matt well ben when did you move here 2016 2016 so probably probably 16 yeah i would have to maybe 17 like like late 2016 early 2017 i believe i believe it was april of 16 because april of 17 we played with prager again ben was with us at that time and that that was our first like that was actually our first official gig in the configuration we're in now. And that was our first gig out at a, at an event. Um, it was a series that Brandon was helping curate, um, here in town and Prager came back through and we did the same thing. We played a set, Prager played a couple sets. And, um, that was a more successful event than the one that we threw in our law. Um, but that, yeah, that that was, that was kind of it. We just kind of took it from there, you know? Yeah, I guess I I picked on the year a little bit because one th- I guess I I heard you guys pretty early on. Um, I think we even did a show. You, I don't remember what year that was when you guys came up and did that bass thing. Yeah, at Jilly's in Akron. Yeah, Jilly's. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would have been. I have the shirt from it like hanging <laughs> over there. It would have been 2017, 2018, probably. Wait, yeah, yeah. I think I think you have the dates over by a year, Matt. It would have been you guys would have met in April 2017 and did that first show, and then the Prager thing was in 2018. Okay, there's there's a there's a really good chance, 
But yeah, regardless, I think I think that is what it was. Yeah, yeah. When we were still in trio configuration, and I don't think we had the name yet. I don't uh, think you did either. At we the, had, we got the name on the way back from Akron. Was that oh, it? There you go. There's yeah. a good. Show. Yeah, I think so. Because there's a. Um, and I don't know if this influenced it. I either I don't know if I figured it out that day or figured it out later. But Morgan Phelps, who was also at that, um, yeah, also great, he played great stick player, war guitar, yeah, 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 like touch touch guitar guy. Um, he has a group or had a group or still has a group called I think they're called Flat Earth Theory. <laughs> I think it, actually sure. Steve uh, it was Steve. Uh, or though that's uh, is it? Where? Who was it? I can't remember his, his last name. I know who you're talking about. I know exactly. I think that yeah, I think that's a still his group. Okay. Flatter something, yeah. Seguero? Is that his name? Yeah, Seguero, yeah. Seguero. Yeah, okay. Then it was okay, then it was it was Steven's because he was Steven was there too, because he works yeah. for uh, yeah. Earthquaker, right? No, uh Morgan does. Morgan <laughs> God. Anyway, well, Too many. they're gonna they're gonna hear this and be like, This asshole. Those like, <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't, can't write doesn't pay attention to anyone or anything. But um Anyway, regardless that that event, there there was, there was a lot of low end going on in that event. A lot of low end community was there. Um, a lot of fun. Actually, I remember that we had a lot of fun. But that anyway, that was the first time we uh, we we played up there. We made we made the trip. We had a little set like halfway through the event. We played and uh, got to hang out. And uh, Brandon and I won some cables in the raffle. <laughs> actually, using that Score. blue cable again, man. That blue cable's pretty yeah. sweet. I still use that tsunami speaker cable, the the blue braided cable. Um, right on. <laughs> it was yeah, it was fun. But yeah, that was because yeah, you were playing with Jared. Yeah, Tim. you and uh, were you guys called Chroma Drive? Yet? I don't remember at the time. You know, I'm not sure if it was or not. It might have just been Jared's group. Yeah, but I know recall. it was that it was that quartet. It was that group of people. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I remember getting to hear everybody play. But yeah, that's we we had made it up there as a trio. So I guess that was it. That was the only time we really went out and played in a real venue like that. Sure. Um, before we before we started doing the quartet thing that we're still doing now. Well, I guess I kind of I picked on the year because when I hear the record now, it's like you can tell that there's just been a lot of time playing together. Like uh-huh. the, we just talked about Chroma Drive. Chroma Drive's been dead for over a year and a half at least <laughs> you know yeah. and like yeah. that was a band for a while you know mm-hmm. and I, I guess i guess my point is like bands just they come and go and like sometimes yeah. it's hard to keep them together and so like part of the magic is just actually like keeping a band together for four or five years and i know oh, you yeah. and jared have obviously are you and uh, brandon have always played obviously played together a long time but it's those like connections with everybody right that makes it like it sounds like a band that's the good thing. Yeah, that's all we. It's been the primary focus. Unfortunately, with this album, through the the quarantine was really one of the main. Uh, that was one of the main. Uh, that was our big opportunity to finally wrap up a lot of these loose ends because it's, as you know, regardless of whether it's, you know, full time musicians, people with jobs, people with families, you know, and I mean, you fit into all three of those categories. Yeah, it's it's great to get four people in a room is insane. It's it's the most discouraging. It's it's like the most frustrating, discouraging thing about what we do is getting people and everybody wants to do it. That's the thing is everyone who's involved actually wants to do this. But then it's just incredible just how difficult it yeah. can be, regardless of what anybody. Do. <laughs> it is. It is 
And sometimes it is. Sometimes it's like damn near impossible. <clears throat> um, but the quarantine finally, you know, no one, you know, a lot less excuses to not get together. Um, and that was also, we took a lot of that time. You know, we got our takes done. We figured out, we arranged, we figured out how we want them to do. We finally booked like three days in a row of session, which I, that's the way to do it, man. Like if you want to knock something like that out, because day one takes, you know, all this time to get things set up, line, you're dialing all this stuff in and you try to record a little bit. Most of the time it doesn't go well, but you, you get a lot of crap out of the way by getting the room set up. You just, you're almost like you're establishing the vibe in that room. You're getting it all together. And then you try to take like 30 takes of something and fail miserably. But when you come back the following day and it's all set up and all you do is fire up the rig, you know, double check your, your phone mixes and you could really start knocking stuff out. Um, Cause mostly spending, you know, 90 minutes, two hours, just like, wait, hit that again. Wait, shit, do it one more time. All right, sick. And you know, it's like just doing that for two, two hours. Like by the time it's, you're ready to like play some music, it's, you're already, you're, you're pretty burned, you know, oh, yeah, already. Um, engineering yourself can really take you out of it, you know, but the second, the subsequent days, and they weren't even, it wasn't even like a full day thing. They were just evenings. Like we didn't even, it's not like we hold up for, you know, 72 hours straight. Everyone still had to, went and did their things and we'd come back about dinner time for a couple hours and we really, we knocked it out in those two days and then it was done. And then we got together on a, you know, about every week, every other week, give or take. And instead of really rehearsing, we sat down and learned how to mix our record. And I, I had a blast doing that. It was incredibly tedious, but I think, I know Brandon and Ben, we, we had a really good time. Yeah, Devin, had a good, Devin had a good time for the most part. <laughs> that's why he's not here no, it's okay. drum drums is hard drums is hard oh yeah especially real drums yeah yeah, yeah. If, if if i know he he had a he had a blast too but there there i know there there were times because again it was we were all kind of learning a little bit unfortunately what was the advantage to how we were doing it is everyone in the room what i like to have everybody there is all four of us had a really clear idea of what we want at least ourselves to sound like on a record. Mm. So it was, it was good that like, you know, when we're mixing drums, like having Devin there. And I just remember one day, and again, it was tedious, but there was one day we spent a good two and a half hours, maybe three, but a couple hours. We just spent the entire session mixing, like fine tune, mixing the drums on one song. And, Again, by the time you're done, you're you're pretty fried. But I remember he was he was in that fried mode. We all were, <laughs> and he. Uh, or the next day, he was kind of like, "Man, like, how are we? How are we ever going to get this done? Like, we just spent an entire just session just on drums on a song, and I was kind of like, doesn't that excite you that we just spent three <laughs> hours mixing you? You know, <laughs> and what I, but what I mean is that is like, what an opportunity, because yeah. yeah, yeah. How many, how many people who are mixing and stuff, and there's some great mixing engineers out there, but how many people would just smack a preset on it, maybe make a few tweaks, and then do that to every track? Mm -hmm. And then say, here you go. And just the fact that we could say, no, we mixed the drums the way we want them on this song. And then the next song, it was a blank slate. We did it again. Uh, especially because all the songs on this record are, 
you know, some of them take such unique turns or even, even production wise, like certain songs have certain types of influences. So even the way we produced each song, you know, the production on one song might have a completely different personality or set of production influences than the next one, you know, based yeah, I mean, on the, the production. I mean, the quality on it's yeah. top notch. I mean, it sounds clean. Mm-hmm. Like, Thanks, I don't know what the editing process was, was like, but I know how much it takes. I mean, even when you guys are as good as you are, you know, we all have our little flubs yeah, of course. In little sounds, so you gotta you gotta clean all that stuff up, especially for something to sound as tight as that does. So, yeah, man, it, mm-hmm. it sounds great. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. I th- I think um, if anything, we're at least I, I'm sure the guys will agree with me, but I know I certainly feel that um, I'm I'm equally as proud, or in some ways, almost more proud of how we like what we accomplished as a, as like self producing. I'm just as proud as the result of our self-production on this album as the performance. Yeah. You know? Sure. And, well, that's, uh, that's part of it too, though, right? I mean, like, that that's our art. You know, isn't it, like, the producing part's part of the art of it. Mm-hmm. It just yeah. is. Yeah, and to, to have the time, because, you know, Quarant, the world was on fire. I mean, it's still, it's still kind of, you know, it's the world is still pretty charred around the edges, but it's, it was, it was burning pretty, you know, the society was burning at that time. Sure. So we, we finally had a time where, you know, cause before it's always like, you know, sometimes you're lucky to get everyone in a room just to run a set, you know, and, and, and it's inevitably whenever there's a gig, a bunch of other crap comes up and finally there's a gig and you want to rehearse and you want to run this stuff several times. Cause you want everybody, you want to get comfortable and, and inevitably, it's there's a gig and three days beforehand, like, all right, let's try to just run this set down. And for and me, I'm always like, man, I'd rather have two or three evenings or different times to just like, let's play these four tunes. Let's play these four tunes. You know, I, I, I like that process a little more because trying to run a whole show, to, it's, it burns you, man. And then yeah. inevitably, the night starts going on because you have a long, you have a, lot of, you have a lot of music. And then you start, well, we should be fine on this. Let's skip it. And hopefully on the gig, it's great, you know. And sometimes you're like, oh, man, I wish we didn't skip that one the other night. <laughs> yeah, really. But, but, I mean, it's the st- everyone, everyone oh, relates yeah, of those, you know. Hey, did, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm, I don't good. know if Adam's, like, itching for his question, but while I'm thinking of it. Yeah, I'm, I can um, did, the, did the production and doing all the things and all the tweaking and, and spending the time, did it change the tunes? Like, so now, like, I don't know if you have any shows coming up. I think you, do you have a little tour coming up? Like the, the, uh, you know, did any of the arrangements change or did any of the, like, you know, even like effects and stuff or whatever else that you chose that you may, maybe you did like post recording it. Did you, has that, has that affected the live show yet? Yeah, for sure. And we, so I think everything kind of evolved like at the same time. It was like while we were recording, it was almost like it was like, oh, what happens if we do this instead? Yeah, a lot of decisions were just kind of made on the fly in the recording process, and and then even afterward, as we were mixing, a lot of our sounds and the stuff that we layered in, um, especially for my parts, you know, because there's so many different keyboard layers in there now. It's like. You know, even though it's not possible for me to play all of them on a live show, like I certainly have a clearer picture of like how to condense my part sort of into something that encompasses the spirit of like all these different layers, right? And yeah, 
That's so did you have to make new presets then and th- things like that? Some of them, or, or some of it was just a matter of combining some different presets to create, you know, some kind of conglomerate sound. Like, for example, on uh, on there, there's a tune on the album Rad Dads where we layered like it was like three or four different pads were all like layered on top of each other. And we were like, well, you know, well, I'm just going to use all these different pads and then we'll pick whichever one we like. And then it's like, well, kind of like all of them. So then we just bounce them all together and, and, and it's just one big pad now. So that's cool. You know, things like that. Are you, are you using like a Peter when you play live? Or- uh, no, I just, I just have my Nord and, and usually uh, my profit 08 is my, is my top board. Okay. We got we got pretty creative with um especially in the keyboard production. Like we we always like to take MIDI data. Yeah. Um, and then you can do anything. <laughs> MIDI can do anything, but like, you know, we can either reassign sounds if we want yeah. or um you know, there were instances where we recorded it on like Ben's Nord or his like Yamaha keyboard, but then like went through Keyscape and had a really good Wurlitzer sample. Or even like um we would do things like uh, like an arcane wisdom. He takes a pretty filthy keyboard solo, but to get some of the background elements, I fed some of the MIDI data through like arpeggiators and different samples that are so subtle in the background where you can't really tell that it's just like the same note that he's playing in his solo. It just generates some sort of like a little audio explosion in the background, you know, mm-hmm. or on rad ads, ear candy. Yeah, yeah. On, Ra- on Rad Dads, we messed around with this uh, Robbie Kilgore. He he makes a MIDI plug-in called MIDI Rotator, which emulates the old Michael Brecker harmonizer <laughs> effect that he used to use in the Ewe, where it's like a set of intervals that rotate around a central note. <laughs> and, oh, uh, I didn't so know how that actually worked. That's funny. It's pretty yeah. pretty re- really cool, pretty and it's, it's a really cool MIDI plug-in, but yeah. also like there's like these little background parts of the melody where we just fed those into that and it generated this really cool harmony that we might not have come up with if we were just thinking, how do we harmonize that? Yeah, like right. it ends up being this very modern, almost like a like Jim Beard kind of sounding orchestration of these like little melodies. So uh, there were lots of cool production things that I got, I got like a huge musical boner for. <laughs> <laughs> that Rad Dad's track is one of my favorite ones off the album. Like, Thank you. I was mentioning that in the, uh, in the thread. Oh my God, I save these for the actual podcast, but I was like, I'd really dig that tune. Like, they're all great. Don't get me wrong. I, I hate saying which ones I like and which ones I don't like because it's like I'm pitting them against each other. And it's one of the, the albums where it's the, the track order that I got from you, Brandon. Is that the final one, or is that just like the Alpha Bagata, uh, Bagata blah, blah blah thing that uh, Google did in the drive there? I think you're in Google Google order. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, it's like either way, it was one of those things where I could just go one to the other to the other to the other, and it was all just. I don't want to say they flowed together well because obviously the order is going to be different on the album, but it's still like the 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 groove is just killer i i just don't know how else to put it it's just it's so in the pocket and it's shifting and it, it, you're you're all together like there, there's it's clear that you're extremely tight and play excellent together but at the same time there the organic nature of it is really there 
You know, it's like I, the only other thing that I can think of is, and this kind of like shows you what I listen to is like the first liquid tension stuff where mm. the creation and the, the rawness are there and the tightness is there versus like, the, the, well, I'm just going to say it, the latest liquid tension where it was like, yeah, you guys are doing another one. And that's it's missing something. It's missing the energy. It's missing the, 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 it's like you had too much time on this last one versus the other ones. And like that, I I love it. It's just every single thing was just like, Oh, that was sweet. You know, unexpected is, uh, and that really drew me into listening to it. Like I I was sitting there with these on and drinking a little bit of bourbon and going like, this is, this is fantastic. (laughs) I'm really, I'm really digging this. So it's definitely good bourbon music. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's an album that's title right there. <laughs> good bourbon music. It's good bourbon music. Not right. not Miller Light music. No, we yeah. this, this only only s- bourbon. Yeah, at least. Yeah, this is music for sipping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. new album sponsored by Knob Creek. <laughs> I mean, how do we get those kind of sponsors? Yeah. Yeah. That's the title of the album. I, I, I feel like I'd be a lot more thrilled about that than like Diadario. Yeah, or string, yeah, like pick or even though, even though, like, how much money do I have in Diodario? Like, they right. need to see. <laughs> they need to see this. Yeah. Um, Co- but, coffee and bourbon. That you know, that's that's, that's the right. ones. Mm-hmm. What else yeah, do you man. need? <laughs> so, do you each of you have a particular favorite track off the album? Like that, you were like, yeah, that's that's just my killer one. You know. Oh man, I mean, for some reason, I'm really particular to the title track, not because it's my tune, but it's a tune we've been playing for a long time. Mm-hmm. And we recorded it once before as like a single in like 2018, I believe. Yeah, I saw that on your Apple Music. Thing. And like our old version of it's like a little slower. And we didn't have as much time to like produce it. And like even now, like after playing it for a couple more years live, it's gotten faster. And it's like also taken on more... Uh, you know, el- different elements in the way we play it. And uh, it's, also just, it's also, yeah, it's like a nutty tune, like in terms of the rhythms. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember when I first wrote that tune, it was what, like 2014, maybe? Or Some, even. Dude, it might be. I forget. Like there's there's a date on the, the chart for it, but it's it's several years old because it was something you laid down at a rehearsal once. Like, and you would, you would come up with it knowing like, <laughs> hey, let's, let's, let's like, let's make our eyes cross. Yeah, I, I wrote it like before Spherical Agenda was even a thing. This is like me and Matt and like Jeff and I think Kago were playing it. And we were just like, oh, this ain't going to happen. <laughs> Filed it away. For all four of us. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, how, that's how 100% of us felt. Yeah. Like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, it was hard. And uh, But then like, you know, come Spherical Agenda time, uh, collectively we'd gotten better at as musicians also – uh, but also interpreting things off the page like that, just gotten better and tighter at that. And also Devin's kind of a freak when it comes to reading like tuplets and polyrhythms and stuff like that. So it, it really was pretty amazing, like hearing it for the first time live. <laughs> but then on the album version we have now, like I just love Matt's Moog bass playing on it. It's just like freaking tasty. It's like a, Sounds it's like awesome. a, yeah. It's like a syrupy goo that I just want to bathe in. <laughs> like I want to look like I just woke up from the Matrix and like it's all dripping off of me. <laughs> and I was listening today and my I have like a yeah. I have studio monitors and a studio sub or whatever kind of thing. It's like it's so much more enjoyable. People should have subs. I think I don't know what happened. Like people got rid of subs and I'm not 
really sure why. Like I love music's them, so. not quite as fun without it. It's just you not. know who you know who never got rid of subs was Quiznos. <laughs> <laughs> they have these new chef inspired sauces. <laughs> <laughs> And bourbon. Yeah. And bourbon. Yeah. Him from the meeting? No. Does Quiznos still exist? I think so. Do they? I have not seen them. I don't remember the last time. Probably since before Spherical Agenda. Well, here's the thing, though. It's like Quiznos has a big direct correlation with this music. And, like, some, I feel like a lot of people that may have these fusion aspirations of, like, crazy music might just be like, ah. Oh, Nobody's ever going to like this music. It's too crazy. But not a lot of people remember that Quiznos advertised their sandwiches with little deformed rats. Do y'all remember that? <laughs> oh, those goofy pair of eyes. Yeah, they're like these. It was like an avant. It's like borderline avant-garde commercials. Just these weird, and they had these weird voices. Like they're just like. It was. subs. Yeah, stuff. all about that. One, oh, one guarantee with having Brandon on Wood, Air, and Meadow is we're going to get into rats. <laughs> we talked about rats last <laughs> time. Most of that apocalyptic rat landscapes. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, oh, ratscape. <laughs> ratscape. <laughs> Called New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, good one. I saw a good one here uh, a couple of weeks ago. That's a pretty good Cincinnati rat. We have him too, you know. Uh, was he uh, was he big enough to eat? <laughs> was, it, was, was the you mean like was the rat big enough for me? I mean, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. he was fast though. I couldn't get him. I got you. <laughs> down, he was down in like the OTR area, so he had like this really bitter IPA with him. <laughs> He's that sounds pretty poncho. good. Yeah, he had, he had a big beard and cuffed pants. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you talk about Devin when he's not here, huh? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, good. <laughs> or, like, the rat had a good, like, startup vibe. Yeah. <laughs> startup vibe. <laughs> oh, so, man. Oh, yeah, the, the fusion thing, man. So that – it just sucks it has such a negative, like, weird connotation sometimes. Have you – so what's the deal, like gigging or booking? Let's say, um, what what uh, what have you done in that respect? And have have you felt, um, I don't know what what's happening with that compared to like you know doing the Brandon Coleman quartet? Let's say, I feel like it's a little easier to book this band than the Brandon Coleman quartet, honestly, because with with when we're when we're playing the jazz, the modern jazz. Yeah. There's honestly not, I mean, even though there's like jazz clubs, there's not really places that are quiet enough for me to even want to like book my band there. So like, that's where I've been lately is like, I kind of only want to book that band on a series, like where everybody's sitting down and like, shut yeah. up. <laughs> like you're going to listen to this. <laughs> We're not playing your farmer's market. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you play with dynamics, that's what you run into is, if, if you're not playing in an environment where people are there to listen to the sensitive bits as well as the raging bits, then all of a sudden you're, you're competing with, you know, the assholes at table four who are there to be seen. Yeah, sure. And, 
And like, it's really hard. It's also, it's hard to get in, into that topic without everybody being like, man, you're such a snob. It's like, no, man, you work really hard. And so like when people are, you know, people are paying money to like come watch you. And if part of your thing is like, sometimes we play quiet, you know, dynamics, what a novel concept. So sometimes like if we play quiet, it would be nice if people were paying attention enough to go, oh, I'm not going to yell <laughs> when these guys are playing quiet, you know, like literally just I'm not going to scream in the back of the room about some nonsense, um, you know, which I mean, which is pretty avant garde. Which It's its <laughs> own concept. That's for sure. I had, know, a re- <laughs> I had a really good one a couple of weeks ago. I played this pickup jazz gig and. Not a pickup jazz gig like the Instagram pickup jazz, like <laughs> <laughs> minor nine chords and bargains and now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I played at just a random gig at this spot over in you know the east side of town. It's like this little basement vibe, uh, like a nice bar with a, a jazz lounge in the basement, and there's like couches right next to the stage, and uh, you know we're playing, and it's like not a super loud gig, but it's like if you want to hang and talk you could be upstairs in the bar zone, but like downstairs, it's like people that are trying to listen to the music and enjoy it. And we're playing, I think Nardis and I, I start to solo and dynamically I'm kind of bringing it down like really low. And then I start hearing like a Cardi B song really loud <laughs> and I'm like distracted. And I'm like, is that house music on what's going on? And I look over and literally like right next to me on this couch, oh, God. this this girl is watching a music video on her phone and watching it with her friend. And like, hey, let's, how is that enjoyable? Like to hear Nardis and then be trying <laughs> to watch, like not even with headphones in. So I just like kind of, I mean, I wasn't trying to be a dick, but like I just turned, I, I just I stopped playing my guitar and I just looked, looked over and I was like, oh, you guys go ahead. Like, let's, 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 <laughs> let's, let's hear what you got. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear what Cardi B sounds like over the form of Nardis. <laughs> you have the floor. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Like, well, it's, it's, it's hard crazy. not to be disappointed in those moments, I guess, too. Yeah. yeah. That's just a lack of. I mean, you could do. You don't have to like it. It's like I don't. You don't have to give a damn about what I'm doing. But right. uh, awareness as a human. Yeah. That that there is there's a world happening around you. And th- those are the same type of people who go through across the street staring at their phone. And you're like, dude, you're going to get hit by a car. Like, it's going to yeah. happen. You yeah. know, it sucks. Like, I hope I hope it doesn't hurt too bad. But, <laughs> like, you really, you really want to saunter out. Like, oh, I got the I got the walking man sign. I'm not even going to look up because I'm entitled. I'm entitled to cross the street right now. It's almost like bringing a bag of, like, Big Macs into, like, a really fancy steakhouse and, like, oh, sitting exactly down at a table. Like, yeah. And it's like, the waiter comes up, can I take your order? And you just ignore him and you're just, like, eating the Big Mac. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, man. Get you some napkins. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so that's a good point. I mean, so I guess you can book it as a rock band, right, basically. I feel like you can. Yeah. yeah, you can hit. You can hit those clubs. Um, yeah, and, and then dis- play loud and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, and in the descriptor, it's you know we're a fusion band, but we always try to use other descriptors with the type of music, and especially when I, I, a big one for me is I like to say like, oh yeah, we're like we're we're kind of an eclectic instrumental fusion band, and then I immediately before they have a moment to say, wait a minute. I start listing influences so that then they hear names like Frank Zappa and, you know, I'm not just, it's, you know, that way it's not just like a string of jazz names or obscure names. Once I start listing a really wide, diverse thing and 
and then literally explain like there's elements on this music about this music that I think if, if anyone actually enjoys music to any degree, again, like whatever your relationship with music is as a listener, I really believe there's some bit in there somewhere that you can get down with, that you can have fun with, you know, whether it's how something feels, the sounds of something, you know, whether it's you like a certain instrument, you like a certain vibe, like there's something there somewhere that you can at least go, oh, that's fun. You know, so that's that's it. So like, it's nice. We we intentionally try to go for the types of clubs, you know, to to kind of go. So when you tell people like, oh, yeah, my such and such whatever band and then we're playing at such and such room when they hear about that room, they're like, oh, yeah, like that's people party in that room or rock bands or, or whatever. So yeah. that's that's that that's a lot of it. But yeah, real quick, just to interject on what you were yeah. talking about, Matt, it, it's something that had been sitting in the back of my mind, like it, I mean, I'm I'm not in the the jazz fusion and and fusion type of environment playing wise. It, it's all classical. So generally, when I'm playing, it's unamplified, or I'm sitting in the back of the wine bar, you know, reading my studies as uh, people are sipping and thinking that it's all hotty uh, toddy. Don't fire me. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> well, you 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 imply the presence of culture. <laughs> it doesn't mean that people don't sit there and go, "Wow, play 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 Le Grima." It, Lagrima is a Lagrima. Play that one. You know, it's Lagrima. Yeah, just nod and just die a little bit, but whichever. Okay, um, whatever. Or they still ask for Freebird. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd play Freebird rather than Canon and D at this point. It, it, <laughs> yeah, whatever. You know, you want Green fair. Day? I'll play Green Day. I don't care. Just not that one. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I think like the underlying thing is that the capacity of people to pay attention is in an art form that takes a little bit more than instant gratification is just it's just not there. I mean, maybe it's because of the world that we're both kind of rotating in with the, I'll just use the term higher forms of, of engagement, you know, not like the rocks, like a lowbrow, but you know, it's different when you have speakers blasting it at you than when something else is like, you need to, the, the dynamics are part of the experience musically and it's not compressed to hell and set at a particular level. So there has to be some engagement on the listener. You know, it's, it's like the, there's a, I don't know if it was Farside, but it was a comic where there was two ladies looking at this like portrait art. And they're like, yeah, this guy studied art for 20 years and took 15 years to paint this painting. But I, I don't get it within the two minutes that I'm here. So it's lousy. And mm-hmm. then it's like, well, and I'm like, good Lord, you just <laughs> hit the, nail on the head. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, God forbid that we have to have. And for myself personally, it was one of those things that, uh, like I had an old way back in high school, an English teacher that basically said, you don't know anything. You have you're clueless as to what the world of art is. You need to engage with these things in order to really appreciate it. Even if you don't like it, take the time to engage with it because then you will actually see what's going on and you'll be able to appreciate it anyways. So I, I did that, you know, because I respected the guy because he just, you know, he didn't give a crap. He's like, I don't care. I'm retiring. So it was a great year. Uh, but um with that, you know, as you get into these other things and you can really get to it takes like listening is something where I'm listening. It's like that's all that I'm doing. I'm not like scrolling on my phone as something's going on. It's like I'm totally focused as what's happening at that particular spot. And 
that that album was like that. I just literally sat down. I mean, okay, I was sipping on bourbon while I was doing it. Uh, but um, get uh, another plug, please. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I'm sitting oh, there. Man. You know, and I'm engaging with, and it was just like it was just great. I can't wait to hear the mastered version. Not that the the unmastered ones were were bad or anything like that, but it was just like I'm an audiophile, so the more yeah, so give it that out. sheen. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, <laughs> so anyways, I, I can completely commiserate and understand the point that you were kind of bringing up with that Matt and that Brandon with the Cardi B thing was like, <laughs> wow, I haven't had that yet. Thank God, yeah. but. It's probably and, coming down the pipeline. And some, I think some of it too, like with the, the Cardi B example, and it's like one thing, like I said, it, it doesn't come from a space of just like, how dare you not take me seriously? Like you're completely entitled to not care. That's, mm-hmm. that's fine. That's acceptable. That's okay. But again, be aware, own it and be just be aware of the world around you. But to sit there four feet from a performer, just like blasting some garbage out of your phone because you don't see anything past here like makes you a shitty person yeah. you know or like you're, you're just it may, you're just you're bad at being in a society if you're like that you know exactly. like that's just that's not cool for anybody and um but thus it's yeah as i say that there's i'm trying to think if there's more places i can go with that but that's oh, uh it would be a lot like uh, going to like the moma and like looking at all these amazing paintings, but like just looking at memes on your phone. Instead. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, yeah, just walking around. Yeah, have you seen oh. this? Yeah, it's like uh, you know, yeah, check but this. But have you seen this? Yeah, yeah. It's like, dude, this is an original yeah. piece of work. That, that that's must, you know, that happens though. Have you seen right? this? Yeah, you know, oh, it, it absolutely happen. happens. Yeah, it has to happen. You know, you know, I, I was thinking though, like. I think it's like, is it a marketing problem? Like, not necessarily us, but. People love movies like Inception and stuff like that. Like where it's not, you know, I, I mean, people Eddie's love stuff. it. They And they love shows like Lost and whatever, like that are like deep and you have to really think and like that, like those, that's a very popular like genre of TV show and movie, like the sophisticated whatever thing. How come it? falls short i never understood why it falls short on the music front you know there are obviously people that like it but it's a really small niche mostly as opposed to those which is like how many millions of people went to see inception for instance you know i mean like it's a good point never really thought of that i think maybe it's uh, I'm sorry. Who go, I'll interject, and then you can interject. Over yeah, you me. go ahead. You go All ahead. Right. So I think it has to do with the, one in a theater. It's a you know hundred foot screen, and it's super freaking loud. You can't avoid it. Like it's going to pull you in to some degree just to, by sheer force. You don't. Okay, you, but you, what about the the Netflixy shows or whatever that are like more sophisticated? Whatever. I don't know. I can't think of a good example, but there. You I, know what I mean. I think. <laughs> I think I think that on a on a mainstream level, I think people like the general public likes to feel like they're part of something. Like mm-hmm. it's like the Breaking Bad phenomenon. Like everybody's seen Breaking Bad, but then there's like a small subculture of people who are like, everybody's talking about how good it is, so I'm not mm-hmm. gonna watch it. Which was kind of <laughs> me at one point, you know. Yeah. The, uh, but I think that like with movies and things, yeah, there's such like a a, a huge machine like marketing those kind of things that if you don't watch it you're left behind and you don't are not in the know with what everybody's talking about and what's in the news and what who the celebrities are and i think also the function of music has become like an accessory a personal accessory 
like culturally, like uh, for a lot of people, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but like their music taste is like, like a little icon they can put next to their face, like to describe who they are, you know? And I think that, uh, you know, it, and it's crazy to think that like not 40, less than 40 years ago, people were packing arenas (laughs) with music similar to this or even weirder than this, you know? Yeah, sure. And it's, but I think it's because since music couldn't be carried in your pocket, uh, music was more of a, oh, we lost Matt's video. Oh, I'll be right. I'll be right back. Just oh, trying to okay. make an adjustment. There we oh, go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. More yeah. bourbon. He's changing his, <laughs> changing his pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like subtle, subtle wardrobe changes. Like I changed my socks, even though you can't Ooh, see them. A little by a little. <laughs> but, but, you know, like, like now, like people can play music on their phones and like show their friend what they're listening to. But I think like in the seventies and eighties and even nineties, like even like sharing music with somebody was like a more personal thing that you had to get to yeah, a you level make your of mix like, tape, right? You make your mix you tape. And it you took time. Up, yeah. Even, yeah. Even like downloading music on Napster. It's like, I got to wait up all night on this <laughs> dial up internet connection to see what Frank Zappa sounds like on this bootleg <laughs> on this one song, you know, but now it's the instant gratification thing. And it's a lot of people like want to feel like they're and this again. It's, I think it's a symptom of just like where we're at culturally. I don't want to say it's necessarily negative, but right. a lot of people want to feel like they mean something. And I think, and to a lot of people like associating their personality, like they're also as badass as somebody like Cardi B mm-hmm. or. Yeah. That, that's like, interesting. You, you say know, that like, like the, the, I, I kind of, stop thinking about that which music's like the most social kind of art right like yeah if your friends all listen to death metal but you bring in cardi b like you might not be their friend anymore like you know what i mean like there's like a heavy like social weight with music where like movies it's like oh yeah i went to see star wars and yeah then i went to go see this horror movie and then i went to see a you know romance nobody puts like a like, oh, you're that guy that watches whatever, you know? Right. It's like, oh, everybody kind of watches everything a little bit. Maybe if you only watched, like, gore or something, like, you might be part of some social niche. But, yeah, music yeah. definitely holds a little bit heavier weight there, I think, maybe. I For sure, yeah. I, I certainly think the the social and cultural element, um, and I think we may have talked about this and when we did our episode, when it was just the three of us, uh, about how I think people in areas that are hyper exposed to music all the time might take it for granted. Whereas mm-hmm. like people that are in lesser, you know, I don't want to say lesser developed, but just smaller areas where there's maybe not a lot of venues, mm-hmm. like are more likely to like appreciate like it being created live in front of their eyes. Sure. Like I've, I've yeah. always felt like stronger, uh, reactions to like what any of our projects do, like in smaller towns like Frankfort, Kentucky, than even here. Like because there's always going to be either people who don't culturally connect with it because of this kind of modern society thing, or the other thing is like musicians with their arms crossed, like <laughs> lis- listening with their like textbooks instead of like trying to feel something, yeah. you know, like. Um, and that's that's like kind of the place uh, in a way that I think that um, places that are untouched by uh, 
well, I think everywhere is touched by it now. And we're definitely like a global society at this point, but places that don't have music every day live and when it's finally placed there and, and plopped down and everybody's kind of forced to watch it, it gets appreciated a little bit more. You yeah, know? sure. So are you, do you guys have some shows planned or? Yeah. Yeah. We got a couple, we got a couple coming up. Um, I guess actually it's, there's nothing in September, right? No. Because yeah, no. Brandon's got a little bubby child coming. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. That's right. Congratulations. Hey. Little baby times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they seem they seem to be baby they seem to be all the rage these days. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Everybody everybody's doing it. Yeah. It's it's but, crazy because like um it's coming back. I feel like babies are making it come. <laughs> 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 yeah. Nice. Good. That's good. So having the baby then immediately go on tour. <laughs> exactly. Right. But we got like one show a month. In yeah. Three. October. There's a, we have another, uh, there's an outdoor event going on in October. Um, we actually played it a couple months back. It was a really nice event, actually. That was um, – I never know what to expect at some of these things. You never know at yeah, any sure. place, really. But it was that was actually really, really enjoyable. Um, and that was one of the few times – I don't want to say few times, but especially recently. That, that, that show definitely sticks out in terms of shows where I felt like we were finally – that we were really um, – getting in front of a fresh audience, a new group of people, even some, you know, some new demographics, some new people, people who definitely hadn't seen or heard of us before. But we, we got in front of some people who genuinely had a good time. And in a lot of ways, man, I, I really needed that because um, to be outside on this kind of veranda type of deal <laughs> and to – there were a good, what would you say, 100, 150? Oh, yeah. He's yeah, Give or take. Yeah. Yeah, and this was a this was a pretty inter, like attentive, interactive group of people, um, and I kind of early on I, I felt pretty good about it because you know coming back to um, you know we're talking about you know basically captivating, getting people's attention basically, um, and obviously we're all trying to do that. We're all trying to get people's attention with what we're trying to say. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm never going to put on everything I want to, however I present something, I want it to be genuine. I'm never going to put on a false spectacle for this, just to turn heads. I'm never going to, I'm never going to do that. You know, I'm, I'm not that, I'm just not that hurt. I have no interest in that because I don't think that's real. I'm going to go ahead and return my uh, gym teacher shorts and my bandana then. (laughs) (laughs) I was expecting some flames at least. (laughs) I think it would be great if it was just you. <laughs> when the whole band does it, it's really annoying. But it's like, no, that that's that guy's thing. Like that's I got these, I got these killer gams. I gotta show I gotta show off these dancers' legs. Oh man, now we gotta we gotta rate this thing non appropriate for kids. That's right. Just knew you should blur it out. You see a big old pale white hairy leg. <laughs> no, like when he pulls his leg, you just blur that out. What's happening? Uh, Let's zoom um, in. Yeah. But uh, anyway, but what I liked about that show is 
the event, we were kind of set up in a way to actually just get to be ourselves and present what we're doing and have people give it respect. And then what also helped, you know, we're talking about giving, uh, you know, how to, you get a chance to be on stage. It's like, okay, well, we're playing something non-mainstream. I think a mistake a lot of people make is they're so fixated on the fact that like, oh, what I'm playing is not popular or it's weird, whatever, it's weird, it's not, whatever it is. And they're so fixated on that, that like when they actually have a chance to get a new fan, before they even play a note, they have a tendency to alienate them because they're almost defensive, just like, oh, most people think this is weird and, you know, it's like an insecurity thing or something. So people start asking what you do and you're like, I don't know, we do this like really weird thing. All of a sudden you sound pretentious, you know, all all of a sudden they're just like, I don't want to hear what you're doing. Like, you're kind of an ass, you know, <laughs> uh, but to, but to get up there and in addition to, you know, playing what you want to play and doing it well, getting up there and being entertaining and looking like you want to be there and, um, talking to people and addressing people and, you know, in great, like one of my, I think I've, I've never had more fun speaking on a microphone ever and what helped is from the beginning of the night i, I always test the waters i i said you know some ge- some generic greeting of how is everybody and i had a good amount of people actually say like "Woo!" and in that moment i was like man actually we actually have these people like if i keep if i keep you know if we keep playing because again the music is going to speak for itself it's it's got energy and we have fun doing it you know if you watch us play it's evident like oh these guys are these guys like doing this so if you present it and people can tell like, oh, they're, they're having a good time. And then between songs, if I'm literally saying or t- speaking in a manner where I say, hey, you know, we're, we're thrilled to be having a good time in front of you and find a way to, to make them a part of your good time. It, it can go a long way. So through the yeah. whole night, we had a, a really attentive group of people. Um, and then I was really blown away at how many different kinds of people came up on the break to talk like different demographics ages different people and the best part my favorite part was people walking up and every person who walked up like heard something a little different you know there there was a pair of guys who walked up to me looked to be in their 50s like mid 50s and they were immediately like they heard a lot of classic music they were familiar with when they were younger so they're they're immediately just like wow We've never seen a group of young people. It's like, I've never had a group of young people make me think of my favorite weather report album or, or whatever. And, you know, people who are maybe closer to our age are hearing more of the contemporary bands. They'll, they'll hear some snarky puppy in it. They'll hear some, you know, they'll, they'll hear, they'll hear more of that side of things in it. You know, like that, that's important too. So coming back to that thing of, you know, we intentionally want to present something for everybody but we want to sound unified while we do it, you know? And that was like the whole point of the album. But anyway, we get to do that event again. That was, that was a big aside, but we get to do that event again in October. Uh, November is the actual release date. November 19th, we have a thing planned. We're excited about that event. That's going to be a really nice, like high fidelity audio video stream um there's tickets for both physical seats and stream the stream tickets 
the stream will stay up and available, so it will be accessible. And I'm I'm pretty excited about that. That the presentation is really good, and it's it's going to live on. It's going to live there as a really nice example. So moving forward, the fact that our album release performance is now going to be available for reference moving forward, I think is is a plus. You know, and the the people at Urban Artifact, the people running the event, are um, really great. Yeah, awesome. They're they're really cool. And uh, we're doing a similar thing in, in Lexington for the, uh, the guys who run the Origins Jazz Series. Um, is it Rich, Richard Young and Eli uh, Utah-Veroff? And um, so we're doing a, like a little, I think it's an interview and performance, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we actually, and I love that because that's, that's a big way to get people on your side is obviously you want to go and play, but when you get to talk to people about it, that's your opportunity to be a human and bring them over. That's, that's really going back to that other, that last performance I was talking about where, you know, getting to talk to people and entertaining them and, you know, just being grateful. Like it's, there's, there's that too. When you get the human exchange going on, they're on your side, you know, when you're like, Oh, you know, these guys obviously worked hard at what they do. This music is wild, but they like, they actually, smiled and thanked me for being for existing you know like how could you be mad yeah. when when people are like oh man these people are genuinely <laughs> you know happy that we gave them a chance you know it's that's that's an important one 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 yeah, thing absolutely. that i really i think that really helps us out and something we really strive for in this band is that whether we're playing like a one hour power set of all of our originals or if we're doing like a three hour gig where it's our old tunes plus our new tunes plus a few classic fusion numbers peppered in there. We always try to make it a show. Like we don't like to have like a lot of dead air in between songs. Like, Hey, what tune do you want to play next? Like, and I feel like in terms of instrumental music, that's where a lot of people do get lost is like (laughs) the minute, the minute everybody's sitting down like, Oh, should we play all the things you are? Oh, I can't remember the bridge. Let's do uh, this one. It's like, uh, yeah, it all falls apart, you know. <laughs> everything feels like a pit. Everything, a lot of bands fail, especially people who come from jazz world. Because a lot of these gigs, especially these days, a lot of these gigs are either background gigs, things like that. And then again, and you a get lot called of people, like two nights before and you just show up, right? Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And, a, and a lot of people, a lot of these musicians even kind of have a little bit of an attitude about it of, oh, yeah, nobody, I'm in it, nobody understands what this is. <laughs> and if you, which, yeah, a lot of people don't, you know, but get, don't start there, you know, give them, give them some credit and because you'll be, people will surprise you, you know, it's audiences as a whole. And that's something I've learned in recent years. Audience as a whole can be a lot more perceptive than a lot of us like heady trained types give them credit for, you know, like absolutely. But, but it's not, not in terms of chords. Like they don't give a damn about chords and they shouldn't. I don't really give a damn about chords, but I try not to. It's like, you know, I find like the less I think about chords, like the, the better my mood is. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> like less chords, higher sex appeal. But yeah. <laughs> these are all Matt's t shirts you can buy yeah. at uh, mattwiles.com. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, if you give if you give people a chance, because again, people are used to when they go see music, they want to see a show. And no matter what you're playing, if you present it with the same 
energy as their favorite whatever. Like you said, if you keep it moving, no dead air, you keep it moving. Because you play, like you start playing, they're watching, like, oh, these people are doing something. And then you stop and you guys sit there like, hey, uh, I don't know, what do you, what do you want to do? Like, I don't know. Man, it, and then you're just, you know, and inevitably then under their breaths, this guy tells a dick joke to this guy. And, <sighs> and, and like all this, all of a sudden, like you burn 90 seconds. Yeah. And you everyone's lost the room. Like, yeah. Yeah. And everyone's just like, what the hell are these clowns doing? Yep. You know, like, I, like you know, and already you're playing something strange. So like, they're trying to give you a chance and you blew it because you didn't even plan ahead enough to keep going. Yeah. Yep. Where when you see any band ever, no matter how famous they are or aren't, or how, how much you like them, you see any other band, they at least move along. They at least like start playing and they're playing and it carries yeah. on till the end of their set. And it's, you know, that's entertaining. Even like in a, a straight ahead jazz context. If like we're if if any of us are ever playing a gig together, doing that, like uh, trying not to do the things like counting off a tune, like because I think the instant people see something like that, I mean it's one thing like a rock band like the drummer like doing the four stick clicks, but I yeah. think like in a jazz situation, like when somebody's like a one, a two, like there's. There's no classic jazz recording where that was ever done. Like you listen to Miles Davis and he just starts playing a melody and everybody joins in, you know, yeah. it's like, like I think this thing is like, it's a jazz school thing that people. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. You know, like, like Keith Jarrett or something, right? Like he just starts yeah, he playing. Just, he just goes into it, you know? Yeah. And it's like, especially if like the three of us are doing something like that together, we can, we can trust each other to do that. Right. Like, and you know what tunes each other knows and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's that, that's like a really, besides spherical agenda, I think an audience attention thing in this kind of genre. It is so hard scope. to get. Like I, I've tried this with a few groups, and I keep trying. But like <laughs> I always like the Zappa thing, you know, like where the drummer's just doing like a sick little quiet groove in the background, and maybe like. People will like there's like sound effects and stuff going on, but he's just talking like to the audience. Like there's oh, never dead air. There's always like something happening in the background. Like never yeah. dead air. Um that and that could be a time you're this. tuning or whatever else you have to figure out, right? But like I feel like that's important, you know, in a show. And it should happen in jazz shows. It should happen every everywhere. I'd completely agree. I, d I do that with the, the classical house concerts that I do. Like if I'm giving a house concert, it's more of it's more of a I hate to use the word lecture, but it's like a classical. It, it, it is. It's a lecture recital, you know, because you, you go to see a classical show. It's a different vibe because you get here's your program. This is what the person's going to play. And they're not going to say anything. They're just going to come out. You're going to clap. They're going to sit. They're going to do the thing. And then you're going to, you know, be odd, hopefully, and then leave. And, and that's it. And there's a place for that. That's it. It's stick. That's it's, it's, it's somewhat of its selling point. But one of the things like when you're talking about like losing the audience, that's one of the things that I've noticed, like that I'll, I'll tell, encourage my students to do is be like, talk to people. I mean, I know that's not strict classical stuff, but at least engage the, everybody in your audience, you know, and that will help them connect to what you're doing. As cool as what you think you're doing is, that guy sitting, you know, three rows back to the right might have had a bad day, but you take one second to just be like, this is this, and this is why I like it, and become a person rather than just yeah. the music. They're going to go, yeah, exactly. They're going to connect to that. 
and you're going to, maybe you'll change his day. And that's, that's great. I love that type of thing where it's like, yeah, that, that really is like a, a high point. Uh, so is nailing the pieces that I'm playing, you know, it's like, yeah, I made it through. I got it all, you know, but the, the connecting with the audience, even if in a haughty toddy quote unquote, classical thing is one of the big things that I love to do. Like when I did my faculty recital uh, at Kenyon, I was sitting on the stage and everybody was walking in, you know, which is a particular faux pas. It's like, what? You're like, people would look, oh, wait, am I breaking? Am I, are you playing? And I'm like, come on, come on. You still got 10 minutes. You know, I'm just hanging out. Well, for two reasons. One, I wanted to be there. And two, I couldn't find the green room. So <laughs> I wasn't that much of a saint. Score. But, you know, I was just, uh, I was, but seriously, like they came in and, you know, I immediately started the concert out with being like, this is how the concert's going to go. You know, I'm going to start with these etudes and these are the guys and a little bit of background with this. And this is why I picked this next piece. And this is why I like this piece. And this is why I like this thing. And describing it a little bit and just, you know, doing the whole like speaker thing of like looking at individual people as I'm talking. And it went great, you know, it, and I, I just keep continually do that. It's like I'm setting up another string of uh, concerts and it's going to be exactly that because I, I think there's just a, especially to one extent, you know, if you're trying to, quote unquote, break into a, a classical concert thing, the level of playing with most of the guys that are touring is just unbelievably high. It's like, I, good God, I don't know if I'll ever probably not get to that point. But that won't be my shtick. It's not going to be like, see this virtuosic concert continuously. Like I'll have play and, and hopefully do extremely well with pieces that are on a more difficult end of the spectrum. But at the same time, I want to be able to engage the people to pull them in so they can go see the other guy. That's that virtuosic thing and get it, you know, to an extent, you know, it's like the stepping stone. I'm the, I'm the gateway drug, you know, <laughs> so um, to an extent, you know, so I, I get where you're coming from with that, that audience connection. It's it, that's one of the best things ever, you know, to realize that you're you're bringing people along with you rather than this whole just trying to get their attention up on this stage and hoping that it goes well yeah you were you were their friend in that moment and i heard a couple weeks ago i listened to a really good interview with yo-yo ma Mm. all people mark maron was interviewing him and Mm. mark man mark maron's had a podcast forever and he mark is one of my favorite interviewers and he interviews one, I just, I love his sense of humor. Um, but also he, he's, he interviews such a wide, a wide berth of people. I've always, I love the term wide berth. I was trying to use it in our blurbs about the album, but we couldn't uh, work it. We'll, we'll be having a wide berth here in about a week. <laughs> <laughs> is it a week? Wednesday the 8th is the induction oh, ceremony. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Is it why? I mean, I don't know. I guess it depends on depends on the size of that baby's head. Well, it depends on the dilation of the cervix. You know, it's like, uh... oh man, you know, oh. get get in there, yeah, get in there, pull oh, that baby. Brandon. Oh, Brandon, this... the things that you are about to know <laughs> that nobody else will know that that is not apparent. Welcome to the club in advance. I'll say, you know, yeah. send your card in the mail. <laughs> Good luck, and take it as a piece of advice from me. Do not eat pizza over your wife while in labor just just, oh, a chance. just, just a chance. it's oh not recommended i'm gonna uh, say they may get mad and you may have <laughs> that pizza away because they're gonna be busy with things oh, wait, wait, wait. here's <laughs> another good one by the in the movies right you have a baby it's like they're pushing right trying to get dilated and stuff and you're waiting you're like okay we got it now we can have the baby 
Like it ain't like that at all. Like yeah. get ready for like twenty four to thirty six hours. Like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't happen in like an hour or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't it's think we were quite long. ready for that. It's like That's oh, you're dilated. Yeah. And they're like oh, it'll probably be about three to four more hours from now before you have yeah. a baby. You're like man. It's- We've already been it's here a, 24 hours. That's, that's, the, me- that's the meaning of the wide birth. Yeah. <laughs> the wide range of time. <laughs> it takes a long time. Nice save. Nice save. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's awesome. But it's just, whew, it's going to be, it's it could take a while. That's just it. You know, eat. You you can eat. They don't let the part of the reason I got in trouble is they wouldn't let my wife eat. But I was like, I, I'm, I, I'm starving, you know. What's <laughs> <laughs> going on, man? You're hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. natural. <laughs> it's uh, oh, okay. What's the matter, babe? <laughs> it's natural. It's the whole birthing process, man. In and out, like it. it yeah. I won't yeah. have a hard time not eating because they don't allow you to bring rats into the hospital. So. Uh, maybe you'll find <laughs> one though. Yeah, <laughs> if it's a quality <laughs> hospital, you'll probably find one. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the uh, anyway, the Yo-Yo Ma, the Mark Marin thing, and um, also one thing I don't know if this matters. How come? How come my? I'm the only one who doesn't get the green ring on the thing when I talk. Have you oh, guys, no, you, you it, got the green ring. You got the, you green, got ring. the green ring. Okay, it, it just it doesn't happen on my monitor, and this whole time thinking, man, this is it hates me. No. <laughs> You are green rings, man. Wait, oh, you see right. what we did to your voice too. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> it's like pitched up like five semitones. Oh, yes, the, the other day, I was, you know, <laughs> he did that to me during the, the beginning of an interview or a, a podcast. I'm like, why the hell are you laughing so hard? <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing to me? I know you know, actually, what happened there? And I, we keep cutting Matt off, but it's like I had I was recording at 192 on my computer uh, but this only does 48 or whatever or 44 or something so yeah. it was like it did something weird and like compressed the sound and and he was like hi guys what are you doing to me <laughs> but this this was related with uh what adam was saying and the uh yo-yo mom was talking about i don't know if mark brought it up but he Mark asked him something. He's like, "Oh man, like what, what happens? Like what's it? What's it like if you, you know, you're on stage and you, you break a string?" And Yo-Yo Ma was saying, "Like man, he's like having a string break sometimes is one of the best things that happens to me because that in that moment, and I forget exactly how he articulated it. Like I don't want to misspeak or anything, but he was saying something along the lines of like when the string goes in that moment because he has to, he has to sit there and put a new one on in front of everybody really quick." And in that moment, he just, you're just another human, you know, like, it's like almost like the energy of that room goes from being like, shh, like, yo, yo, ma. It's like, doink, like it breaks. And it's in, in that moment. And also, like he said, what's interesting is he's like, if I break a string, he's like, because that was this big, that, that people take that as a big deal. Like, oh, like, hold on. I have to pause the entire event and fix my instrument because it cannot be played in this condition. He was saying... When he breaks that string, he can play anything he wants. He said he can he can blow it, and people love him. Like the, just, no matter what, just like the act of just like having a human in that moment of just being another person for a second, and be like, oh man, like bullshit happens to him too. Mm-hmm. And he said like the the string breaking is like tears down that wall, 
for a minute. And it was like a really interesting thing to hear about. And I guess in that moment, he might chat a little bit. And also in this interview, Yo-Yo Ma is actually an incredibly, he's great to listen to. Like he's very, he's very funny. Uh, he's very charming. He's, he's such a sweet, sweet, yeah, well-rounded human, like just a great human. You could tell this, he's just a wonderful person. So I can imagine that getting a chance for Yo-Yo Ma to just be a person in front of you while he's putting a string back on his cello. He says, in that moment, everybody is immediately 100% behind him at that point, no matter how well it goes, no matter how well or poorly he feels about his performance. He says, after breaking a string, those he says, those audiences, he feels such warmth from those people, no matter what happens. <laughs> it's just kind of an interesting thing of like what Adam was saying. is like you're sitting there and it's 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 thought of as this really tight, proper environment. And, you know, it's silent and everyone's quiet. And you just take a minute to look, look somebody in the eye and just say something normal. Yeah. Or thank them or, you know, sometimes like if something funny, you know, addresses, you know, being lightly mannered about something, having a laugh with people and telling telling a funny telling a funny telling an entertaining story about how you got here or, or you know you tell them about like the time you did the most horrendous embarrassing thing with your instrument it's just you know and it just breaks down these walls and all those people are like man no matter i, I know this guy put a lot of effort to what he does but like man he's just a guy chipping away at it you know because everybody has felt like that everyone's been like oh man like it took me a lot to get here or work on this or do this thing and then I have so much weighing on it and then I failed or I, something broke or I, I had to do it again. And just when they're sitting there like, Oh man, this guy does all this stuff. And you're just like, yeah, you know, sometimes it sucks for me too. You know, it's, it, it's, it, it, yeah. it goes a long way. And especially in like classical music world, those performers tend to stand the people who are just really good with their audiences. I think those people stand out. You know, because they're they're people. They they come across as people because it's it's easy to assume somebody like Yo Yo Ma, it's easy to assume that because that guy I mean that guy played for is it like he played for like the president when he was seven years old. Yeah. Kind of easy to put that person on this weird pedestal in this weird place of just like almost like you're not human. That's weird, because like most of us never do something like that. And uh Mark asked him about that too. And what he said, he's like, he's like, man, I was seven years old. I didn't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah. I was, I was no different than any other kid in that moment. He said it was different for everyone watching me. He said everyone's looking at me like, wow, this is crazy. He's like, I had no idea who this old guy was. I was seven. <laughs> mm -hmm. I played the cello, and that was, you know, and it would put it in perspective. Like, yeah, he's just a yeah, him is just some other random dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like it wasn't significant in that way because he's a literal child, you know. Just the same. This he had the same. He was the same stuff was going on in his head as us when we were seven. The only difference is he happened to be a freak with the cello, you know. Yeah. But um, I yeah, bet so, he lost all his money when he broke a string on the gig. The yeah, cello strings right. <laughs> expensive, man. When 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 Matt brought up the Yo Yo Ma story, you know, it's like about breaking a string and I think um, any kind of performer, how they deal with like that surprising moment, whether it be some outside force, like you all your strings break off your instrument or you play a wrong note 
And it's like, it's what you choose to do in that moment. I think that like delineates, like it separates like a really great performer from like somebody who's like not quite there yet. And I had a, I had a student earlier today who's like working on just some chord melody stuff. And he plays it on a nylon string with no uh, fret markers on the side. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he's like, man, I keep, I keep accidentally playing a half step up. And I was like, well, yeah, I noticed that. But like, <laughs> if you if you do that, like if you keep playing it, you're gonna end up building this muscle memory and this audiation connection in your mind to your hands. But I was like, when you do play it a half step up, just deliver it. Just like play it like that's the right note, and like let that be there for a second, just so you can experience it instead of like this freakish pause and be like, oh god, I don't know what I don't know what to do now. Right. <laughs> like this is like this moment. What do I do? Like, what do I do with my hands? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, I just did you see that Julian Lodge like twelve things about guitar or something? It one of, one of his like things I noticed about guitar, but one of them was like, if you play a note, it's it's you've done it, like it's out there, like just yeah. own it, like can't take it back. You can't take you it back. Take it's already happened. Back. Like there's no yeah. there's no uh, do over. You know, there there's there's so much to be said about that. I remember seeing like uh, this Chet Atkins video from like the. 50s maybe is a grand Ole opry and they're playing this old pe peanut vendor this really old song just about a dude selling peanuts <laughs> and like one of the dudes in the band and this may have even been a planned rehearsed moment who knows because chet atkins was kind of a tongue-in-cheek guy but somebody started playing like an open c chord but like up a half step so like you get this like real raunchy like <laughs> you know messed up like and then like they all look at each other but then they all just start doing it. <laughs> and then like they start singing wrong notes and it's like the audience is just like loving it. They're like, it, they crack up and it's just like this m moment of musical comedy where it's like, that's how you can take a moment. Like whether it be like, Oh man, I really screwed up this part <laughs> and like turn it into like, Oh, this is art now, you know? Sure. Like it would be like if, if Jackson Pollock, like, Oh man, I totally spilled paint in the wrong place. <laughs> 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 shit i was supposed to get the brown paint oh man like it's like i don't think he ever thought that way you know it's that like, rare misprint <laughs> that was a mistake that one that yeah, one. yellow blotch yeah that shouldn't be there <laughs> that's garbage now ben didn't you you didn't you do a competition or won a competition or something a couple years ago a hot dog eating yeah. contest <laughs> so what was that what was the atmosphere? Because that's like much closer to like a lot of stuff that happens in the classical world, probably than jazz in a lot of ways, right? Was that classical or jazz? Jazz. Yeah. What was the deal with that thing? So it was. It's a thing put on. It's actually by. I think it's just a piano store in in Melbourne, Florida, and they're connected with Yamaha and Bosendorfer. And they ended up uh, putting on this thing, and it actually the the competition hasn't happened since the year that I won it. So our running reigning champ, yeah, <laughs> that I'm reigning, that I'm that I, the 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 Grand Bohemian hasn't been dethroned yet. That's the, <laughs> the running joke. Um, That's the name it, of the. It's called, the prize. It's called the American Jazz Pianist Competition, uh, and the. Uh, uh, the first prize is called the Grand Bohemian Prize, which is named after this uh, the sponsor of the competition, which uh, is this ultra rich dude named Richard Kessler who owns a bunch of 
boutique hotels throughout uh, kind of like the southeast U.S., like uh, in Savannah, Georgia, in uh, Orlando, Florida, that that kind of area of the country. So when you win, you get a lifetime supply of uh, hotel stays? (laughs) <laughs> no, well, I, I, I get three really I, – I, in, in October, actually, th- this October, I'm playing a handful of things down in Savannah, um, and they're putting me up in one of those nice boutique things, and they're, they're paying nice. me nice and, and the whole deal. Um, that, that's part of the, the, the award. Um, but anyway, it was at uh, – the, the competition itself was at Yamaha Artist Services in New York, and um, it, was, it, was really, it was really a cool experience – not only because, you know, you get to meet a bunch of other piano players and it's a very, like, you know, amicable, very friendly environment. It's not like, you know, nobody's being cold because, you know... like You didn't sabotage any pianos or anything? <laughs> <laughs> For sp- string breakage? I, 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 I will neither confirm nor deny. Um, How do you... You got to win <laughs> at all costs, right? Yeah, that, that's right. The excellent so, brownie. Music is for winning. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like for example, you know, a couple of the people that I've gotten to meet as as a result of this, I, I did it one year and I didn't win, and I did it the next year and I got first prize. So it's like, it's so subjective, you know. I don't think I improved that vastly over the course of that year. I think it just kind of, you know, depends on the day and and who all is there. Like one of the other people that was in the the competition the year I won is this ridiculous piano player named Jahari Stampley who uh, he played on um, the most recent album by um, Derek Hodge, The the Color of Noise. Um, Ridiculous player. And he's only like, he was like 18 years old at the time. Um, He'd only been playing the piano for like four years. It's like, shut up. That's stupid. Um, YouTube learning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Another another person I got to meet was uh, was Paul Cornish, who's uh, like a, monstrous piano player plays with uh he's, he's played with like david binney and joel ross and stuff and, nice. and he invented the cornish hen <laughs> <laughs> i was about to make the same joke yeah. Yeah. i was gonna say he's got his own breed of game hens, so. <laughs> and, and you know a, a whole bunch of people I, I got i got to you know just kind of hang out with and uh another guy um uh a uh a northeast ohio uh, or at least a formerly uh, Northeast Ohio guy uh, from uh, Oberlin, Michael Orenstein was was a really really nice dude to hang out with. We you know so the, so I got I got to see and, and hang out with a, a lot of very very cool people as a result. Yeah, of that's weird. kind of the that was that was really the, the most valuable takeaway for me more so than like you know the prize money or the prestige. It was just fun to just go to New York and you know hang out and. Um, Oh, and another really cool thing, another cool benefit is that now, like, anytime I'm in New York, like, I can go to Yamaha Artist Services, and, like, if I want to practice, you know, they'll they'll give me a nice piano to, to practice on or whatever. That doesn't know. suck. Yeah. He's, right. got a, right. he's got a card that says Grand Bohemian on it. And he's you, so you, you have to keep it laminated, and, like, uh, if you got to make sure you can't lose it. It's a tattoo. It's a tattoo <laughs> on my left ass. RFID. <laughs> they branded him. Well, ben doesn't know it, but I've been shedding to dethrone him. 
I've just been over here at night, just like fuck. Why can't I get it? He learned every piece you've ever played. It's like becomes like a whole like '90s film about composers where we have like a rivalry. Yeah, yeah, like like Salieri and Mozart. Yeah, this this totally fictional rivalry. Too many notes. <laughs> really, so ben, ben, how many times have you broke a string on a piano? Um, <laughs> In a concert. I have, I have had a string break on me once while I was playing. Um, more common is having like... Uh, objects be in the piano unbeknownst to me. Like rats? Like, I can't tell you how many times I've sat down to play and there's like a pen like sitting on the strings and I hit this board it's like... <laughs> 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 um, I, do we have screen sharing enabled right now? I can turn it on hand. I have like really rare footage of, um, of Ben actually. Oh yeah, um, good. <laughs> oh, yeah, real. Are, are we gonna move out of like even publishable right now or what? <laughs> it's 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 publishable. It's good. It's it's uh it's just really important. It's just like you know talking about strings breaking and all this stuff and God. I just, right. I, I just feel like this one is is really important for everybody to see. It's just really rare foot actual footage of Ben. Uh, oh yeah, I was just <laughs> this the day. This is one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I like. I never noticed that the bass player's pinky is like a splint, so he's yeah. like his, his fingers stick. And I like he's, the kid. The kid's holding the mic in one hand. <laughs> oh man! Uh, that poor I kid. laugh because I think we've all done that before. Oh yeah, so relatable. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. I had a very embarrassing one that happened. Like it was like nightmarish. It was. I was in college, undergrad. We went to Elmhurst Jazz Festival in Chicago. Um, and at the time, I was like really into Maria Schneider's compositions and orchestration. And not anymore, though. She I, sucks. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like, uh, and she was like one of the judges for the. Oh no! And we were playing one of her pieces, and it was like one of these ones where on the recording, it's like a big Ben Monder freak out guitar solo. So I got to be college version of Ben Monder, you know, like wearing cargo shorts and you know this kind of thing, and. Um, <laughs> The, guard. The, the director was like, oh, man, you got to stand up when you solo. And I was like, <laughs> I kept arguing with him. I was like, I don't want to do that. That's like so like high school jazz band. I'm not going to stand up. And he's like, you have to stand up. Like, you're going to stand up because people need to know it's like you solo. It's how they know it's you. Not the other guitarist. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So like reluctantly, I stand up. And like this, this is one of those solo sections where it starts from nothing. So like when the guitar comes in, it's maybe like this like sus two chord and like the trombones with like mutes on. So it's very gentle and I stand up and then the strap just falls off my guitar. <laughs> guitar hits the ground. I've got like a rat distortion pedal on. So it's just like, 
Dude, that rat my face turns beet red, and I just have to pick it up, put the strap back on, and continue. So. Was it still in tune? It was, thank you. Nice. Oh, that's nice. Now, did it your director this, it was about forcing right you here. about forcing you to stand? Did that topic come back up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was just kind of like, yeah, I guess you should have sat down. <laughs> you did this to me. Oh man! Oh, oh my god. god. Ben, real quick on the competition thing. Um, yeah. Because I've, I've done a, a few myself. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What was your prep mode for that? Like, I know for myself when I was getting, like, my teacher forced us all to compete. He's like, you're all going to do this competition. We're hosting it here. You're going to be in it. So, like, for the first three years of my collegiate career, it's like, sweet. I get to walk in and make an ass of myself. This will be awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is great. I can't play anywhere close to this, you know. Yeah. Um, and to his credit, you know, within the three years, I, I made it to the finals or the, the fourth year I was in the finals. But, uh, you know, my thing was just like, you know, my competition set, I had like, you know, 15 minutes for the, the pre- preliminary round. And then it, it would have been a half, well, it was a half hour for the, the finals. There's the words. Um, and so what I did is I literally sat there and I, I drilled this 15 minute set like constantly nonstop, you know, any which way that I could do it. I sat there and I took like, it was a two and a half minute piece for an Allegro. And I set the metronome to 40 beats a minute per 16th note. It was in three, eight, but it was constant three, eight or constant 16th notes throughout the entire thing. And it took me like 45 minutes to go through the entire thing and just trying to do it from memory that slow, just so I could just own this thing. And then the day before the competition, you know, I've been practicing eight hours a day, just busting. And I was like, you know what? This is as good as it's going to get. There is no magic formula that's going to happen the day before. It's suddenly going to be like, there it is. I got it. I'm, I, I perfected it. So we we'll just sat around with beer and play Battlefield all day. You mean you know, Knob like, Creek, right? <laughs> yeah, Knob Creek, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Our, Knob soon, Creek. our soon to be sponsor. Yeah, Knob Creek. So, <laughs> yes, Knob Creek and beer and Battlefield. So, and, and that's I just, how you make it, it to the finals. Is exactly. It's a, it's a secret weapon. Remember, kids, alcohol is a solution. So. <laughs> 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 I'm in so much trouble. Oh no! So, uh, it's uh, anyway the uh, so like you know I just blew off that entire day of practice, and then the day of the competition, I walked in like an hour and a half before my slot and just warmed up. Didn't even run the set. I was like, this this is it. And my chief goal was, I just don't want to make a complete idiot of myself. I didn't, I want to go in there and crash. I just want to make it through, and then I'll be happy. And went in, and I felt great about it. I was like. Finally, you know, it finally happened. And I didn't expect anything else to happen because, you know, I knew everybody else that was in it. Uh, and lo and behold, I got the phone call when I was in line at Subway, like ordering a sub. I was like, wait, Quiznos. what? Yeah. Oh, yes. Sorry. <laughs> Quiznos. It was Quiznos and they had Knob Creek there as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> but anyways, so what oh, was your, awesome. uh, outside of a healthy dose of Knob Creek, uh, what was your uh, prep mode for that? Well, it's it's funny that you mentioned the whole like over practicing thing and like you know freaking out about it because like the first year that I did it, I had all these like hard tunes and like elaborate arrangements and stuff, and I think I did pretty well at them when I actually went to it. But like, I feel like all of my attention was focused into just getting all of this intricate stuff right. Like I had this version of Donna Lee where I played like totally different stuff in both my hands 
like in contrary motion and all this crazy stuff. And it was a cool arrangement. Like it, you know, it wasn't like a contrived thing or anything, but I felt like the first year I had done it, I had just focused way too much on having this repertoire that was supposed to be like, you Thrilling. know, challenging. Yeah. Yeah. This, this like, you know, this very intricate thing. And, you know, if I were playing a show, I would probably bring that back and just, you know, have a band to, to rehearse it with. Right. But you know, in the moment, especially when I'm playing with a rhythm section that I had like an hour to rehearse with, it's like, well, you know, they're just not gonna, it, it, they'll, they'll be fine. They're professional musicians and they can play, but it's not going to be this, the, the way that I had envisioned it to be. So the first year I had, I had had this big focus on this elaborate thing. And then the second year I was like, you know what, like, I'm just going to pick a bunch of stuff that's like, just really easy for me to play and not worry about it. And honestly, I didn't even really practice or focus specifically on the material for the competition at all. The second year, I just kind of went in and played it. The only thing I really focused on was like the solo piano thing, just because um, I uh, like playing improvised solo piano was always something that I was much less comfortable with than playing in an ensemble um, so I worked on that to some degree, but, you know, the tunes that I played in the trio setting, for example, it was like Sandu, Body and Soul, and Evidence, like three tunes that are like not like particularly difficult or fast or, you know, you know, they don't have hard solo sections or anything like that. I was, I was just able to play some nice tunes. And, um, I think just being able to focus on instead of this like arrangement, just focusing on like interacting with the rhythm section. Like I got to play with Adam Nussbaum. It's like, well, geez, you know, that I'm just going to play with him and just have fun and not really worry about it. um, I I feel like that was, that was definitely the right choice to make because the performance was like, I, 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 it didn't feel like a competition. It was just like, Oh, I get to play this cool gig with Adam Nussbaum and Michael Richmond, you know, just, just have some fun. Nice. Maybe maybe win some money from it. Do you um, think there was a? Uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, do you th- think there was a pressure level distance between the first year that you went into it and the next one? Uh, not really, because the first year I was just happy to be there, and then the second year it was just like, well, I, I had kind of decided like no matter what, I wasn't going to do it again after that year. So it was just like, well, you know, this is it. Whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to go mm-hmm. in play whatever and just have fun. So. Yeah, that's kind of the same mindset that I, I mean, not that I was done with the competition when I was going into it at that point, but it's the same mindset. It's like, you know what, at this point, as long as I don't embarrass myself, I'm happy. And yeah. that kind of took the whole like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm getting in front of this guy in a, in a room and playing this preliminary set. It was like, all right, let's just go. And when I got the phone call for the finals, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, now I have to play for like world famous people. And holy crap, they know the pieces. And uh, so, I mean, that was that was an immense. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stop talking about myself. I bet you that. double checked your guitar strap, too. So it didn't yeah. <laughs> for some reason they didn't put a strap on my guitar so i just held it you know, uh, okay. up in the air you know just when you like stood that. yeah when you played yeah. <laughs> and that was embarrassing when it just fell and everything <laughs> my zipper down it was just like <laughs> ah! <laughs> I, like was, the, yeah. I like the idea of playing cl- like really hard classical guitar music but standing up and holding it with no strap <laughs> like wedging it in your shoulder oh my god <laughs> play it at your neck 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. You're giving me ideas. You're giving me ideas. I'd have to use a beater guitar. I wouldn't do that with my concert guitar, but uh, I I think that would be pretty stinking funny. Yeah, man. (laughs) When I see, see, this is the caliber of band, Spherical Agenda. We got, like, world domination going on. Mm hmm. You should hear it in the actual album, which comes out this Sunday. No, right? not Sunday. November, oh, right? 19th. November? November 19th. Why did I ha- I need to learn to read well, <laughs> apparently, because I was just like, oh, it's coming out this Sunday. It's, <laughs> it's, this, it's this Sunday in a different dimension where time is displaced. <laughs> so relative. And, yeah. In the multiverse, I'm not wrong. Yeah. So. There is another reality where we release it this Sunday. Huh. All right. Well, it's coming out November nineteenth. It's going to be kick butt, especially from everything in the preview that we've had. It was just it's stellar, very very cool. So, very, what's very cool. do you have a release plan? What's the are, are, have you put out a sing? I think you had a single out from yeah, it, right? We have one single out called Guts. Yep. Um, and then we have two more planned. Uh, High stakes and uh, Coleman's question are the are the two other nice. are the two other singles. And then, uh, are you doing any videos or like any of that kind of stuff with it? We're probably going to do some art videos. We have some like uh, performance videos from the session, but uh, after we did that, we kind of upgraded our video equipment and we kind of feel like if we're just going to do like a really nice performance video, we should just do it with all our sweet new cameras and stuff. So um, we're probably going to do just like some, like we have a video for TLB where I kind of edited together a lot of like, you know, generative 3D footage just to take you on a little psychedelic journey. Yeah, people seem to really like that one too. Yeah, some That's cool nice. stuff like that. And then it's also worth mentioning, like Coleman's question features uh, the great Walfredo Reyes Jr. on percussion from the band Chicago, and he's played with Frank Gambale and uh, uh uh, Steve Winwood and uh, Santana. Carlos Santana and all these people. So Bob James, yeah. dude, dude has done a lot. He's nice. done a lot of stuff. Awesome. So. Yeah. Yeah, those come out on the nineteenth of every month. So every nineteenth to November, there's some music coming out. Excellent. Um, and then video wise, say the big one, and it, it'd be good. We'd like to uh, have to see. It'd be nice to maybe get get together and maybe at the very least we can do a really nice performance video at the studio. Maybe we could pick a couple songs just to make some live in studio cuts of things for, just to have them. I'm working on, on my own end, I'm working on my own uh, like playthrough videos for all of the music. Oh, awesome. Uh, very cool. Yes. Yeah, so so my, my goal is once the album comes out, I'm going to start rolling those out. But like all eight tracks, I'm gonna have. I've been making, I'm gonna be making like, you know, dual cam 4K. Are you guys doing anything like uh, selling the scores or anything like that? Or yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We're, gonna we're, gonna a, we're gonna have a little uh, little tune book. Um, we yeah we we still need to uh, kind of homogenize our scores a little bit. They're they're all formatted very differently. And, right. You know, over the years, Brandon and I uh, have changed the way that we write our charts a lot. So we're going to make it a little bit more uniform. But yeah, that, the, uh, the, the, the music itself, like what's kind of fun, all these songs, at least in the original form, started out as uh, 
you know, they started out as scores or lead sheets. And just from playing and rehearsing and, and then recording the, recording the album was like the, the big one that really turned these songs into kind of how they're arranged now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now the charts have to be edited just because there's a bunch of stuff that you hear on the recordings that are not in those scores. Yeah. Um, so there would be score editing to actually reflect what you're hearing on the mm-hmm. record. Um, but yeah, that's we're definitely going to do that. We're definitely going to release those for sale. You know, We're going to do a tab, a tab book like it's 1998, like a tab book of it. You know? <laughs> That'd be insane. <laughs> I don't want to transcribe it. Pay some yeah, kids. I don't, I don't know who has the time for all that, man. Well, man. I, think, I think we get our master transcriber friend. We get Jeremy to do it, man. That's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. There we go. Look He's got to finish that Holdsworth one first, right? That's right. Yeah, that one's going to be sick. <laughs> Which which what Holdsworth thing is he doing? He's the doing complete. the whole song. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> wow. For real? It's going to yeah. be like lead sheets for all the Holdsworth tunes. My God. I've got, I've got non-brewed condiment if he wants it. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. he has them all now, but this is a formatting thing at this point. Okay. There's some, t- like, there's a, uh, I think there's lead sheets out there, but they weren't right, too. So there's a yeah. lot of fixing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of discrepancy because it's, none of it was ever written down because he didn't really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so Jeremy's really actually working with the family. So I think oh, they really? got him like you know notes and things like that too like whatever Alan's weird way of writing stuff was. Like he any I think he was using that to help decipher some of it. And like yeah. talking to the different people that played with him and the things that they had written down or whatever. Yeah. So it should be wow. it's going to be like a legit thing. That's incredible. Yeah. I know, like, uh, Steve Hunt has been very, like, uh, forthcoming and, like, right. sharing, like, you know, little images. Like, Alan would sometimes write chord progressions on, like, napkins. <laughs> like, and, like, they'd have this little napkin on the stand. And, like, his weird notation, like, D with an X with a circle and right. all this weird shit. So, it's it's really cool that Jeremy's taking the time to make that happen because I think that music deserves to be, like... Yeah, then, then it becomes more accessible, right, for... Mm-hmm. Hey, let's play this chart. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Now, any, anything to facilitate it being that much more accessible to work on and play for both professionals and students alike is yeah. is is good. I think that needs to ha- that absolutely needs to happen. You know, that's the Lord's work, as they say. <laughs> so we'll take on Se- Severical Jenna agenda after that. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, oh yeah. wow! Oh, that, yeah, brother. This this was an awesome time. This is great. Yeah. Oh, this is a blast, man. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having us. Oh yeah, yeah of thanks course. for coming. This is great. Very very cool. Stand by next to... week. <laughs> sure. All over Knob Creek. We're all like, yeah. Just keep going till everybody passes out. Actually, there we've we had go. a good string of uh, guests recently. We had Neil Zaza oh. the other day. Nice. Uh, Heather uh, Maliuk, uh, audiologist on. Um, <clears throat> actually, next week we have Matt Hollenberg. You guys know him? From Cleric, oh, plays with Zorn. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. Yeah, so. cool. and that's going to be thrilling. Sick. Good God. You know, <laughs> interviewing all these you, you guys and stuff like that is like, what, what am I doing? I, <laughs> why, why am I have to go practice again? Yeah. Man, it, it's funny. In, in Classical Fit, I've been taking lessons with one of the 
a friend of mine is in the Cincinnati Symphony. And I recently, I'm only like three lessons deep. I see him every couple of weeks. But I started, I, I started taking like some actual, like one-on-one, like sitting down for an hour and actually getting into the weeds on like orchestral bass. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like a child, dude. <laughs> I, 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 feel like I just, it's in the best way, but like, it's like, my God, you know, just like there are very few things. And I think people, it's like when you either perform for a living or you spend a lot of time either on stage, whether it's by yourself or for me, what kind of helped with nerves and stuff. Cause when I was a kid, I was a classical piano player and I, I went to school for that. I grew up doing that. And, uh, I remember that I was never nervous about anything until I was a teenager and on a studio recital, I was playing a movement of a Beethoven sonata. And that was before I knew anything actually about music, like chords and all, you know, as, as a kid, you're a sponge. So you could just, they're just notes on a page for me. They were just notes on a page at that time. Um, and finally, I finally found that threshold where my muscle memory broke. And, you know, having that extra little adrenaline bump of being in front of an audience. And so the first time I had like a really scary memory slip, I was like 13 or 14 on this Beethoven sonata. And that was the beginning that that was the first time in my life where performance started becoming stressful. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, my God, like, because up until then, it was pretty natural. It felt pretty good. And I was like, oh, my God. And um, for me, when I started playing bass and then playing in bands, and having a team of people with me, it that went away. Like and 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 then you know playing gigs. Sometimes people watch, sometimes they don't. But just the, the just repetitively standing on a stage or plugging into a PA where your shit is loud or broadcast or whatever, um, you get used to it and it's fun. But that's so I don't get nervous. But the so the only thing these days I think that makes me nervous is trying to draw a bow across a string <laughs> in front of a guy that can like move me to tears with his tone. You know, <laughs> it's, 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 it's just like, wow, like, like, Oh my God. Like, what? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, it's kind of funny. Just, it was, uh, I'm glad I'm doing it though. It was, it's, uh, and he's like, he's a super, he's a super cool guy and just likes bass as a whole, you know, we're pretty good friends, but it's, um, as far as upright goes, I, I took some lessons in college for some stuff, but I'm primarily self-taught. And it's, uh, like I said, it's, 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 this is a guy who's been playing professionally in symphony orchestras for like 40 years. And it's like, God damn. <laughs> you, you know, just. That's like, awesome. Oh, man. But it is really cool. It's really fun. It's, it's really honorable to do something like that, too, at this stage in the game. A lot of people, like, mm-hmm. won't, won't ever do a lesson again. Yeah, uh, they don't want to so feel that, that that moment yeah. of sucking that bad. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I feel, and again, like that extra bit of nerves because you know, like in your head, I'm like, man, this is like, this guy can do unworldly things on this instrument. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, and then he'll do it really quick. He'll just, he'll pick my bass up, you know, with my bow, like completely different setup. He'll, he'll check something, he'll play a few notes and just this, this like like the heavens open, you know. Like man, this is. He said it's 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 been humbling in the most refreshing way because at this point, you know, doing what we do, um, really, and I think a lot of people can relate to it. But I'm I'm not gonna take a like a jazz related lesson 
with anybody, you know, because, and it's not that I don't have things to learn from other people who do it, but it's kind of to a point, like there's, there's no mystery to it. It's like, oh, you have, you have chords, you have scales, and sometimes you can play corresponding ones, sometimes you don't have to. And you're like, well, then, okay, cool. And I'm also going to sit here and be like, hey, bro, what'd you say? I said, there it is, folks. The mystery's been cracked. Don't give Adam any ammunition. Come on, man. Yes! I have it. And it's, I win. Dang it. Shortcut. But, yeah, yeah, man, just feel like I I tell everyone, it's like, how do you you, walk lines? It's like, man, you put a a chord tone on one and three, and just like, I don't know, you can, the rest of it's up to you. Like, what else do I do? Just just do that. Scream on two and four. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. Ah! But it's, uh, yeah. well, and you know, you know, when you're taking a lesson like that from a master of something that you're not familiar with, you know what I find takes the edge off a little bit? It's a refreshing <laughs> sip of a responsible amount of Knob Creek bourbon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hell of a setup there. Yeah, I knew it was coming, but it, that was really, really well done. You must have Knob Creek first. That, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's really good. We better get some gigs down there, if nothing else. Yeah. Where, Adam, where do you live, man? Uh, I'm in uh, Wadsworth, Ohio. So I'm okay. in the northeast, close to Akron. Okay. Um, cool. I'd say I'd love to. It'd be nice. It'd be nice if we could all get together in a room and have some Knob Creek. For real. You know? <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I am past the slap happy phase <laughs> of that, so it's like I'm losing control. It's like, oh my god! You know, uh, in all yes, serious, of in course all, it would. Yeah. Oh yeah, that would, be, that would be really nice to continue to get to do this at a table sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know. That would be a blast. Totally. I mean, Tim's got a studio in his house. I have one in mine. I, it's uh, we're we're all good. I mean. I'd have to scrounge up five microphones, <laughs> but uh, that's about it's it. Like, oh, we oh we we don't. Oh, well, guess we could broadcast. We don't have to, but we could broadcast. Oh, yeah, it. yeah, hey, over, yeah well, over some refreshing like, Knob Creek. Yeah, we're interesting as a unit. We are interesting and entertaining enough where our shooting the shit as friends should be broadcast live. <laughs> there Just it in is. General, I all I'm in favor. A lot of times turning knobs. <laughs> Oh no! And sometimes after turning a knob, I want a delicious sip of Knob Creek bourbon, <laughs> Kentucky bread. <laughs> God, I can't continue. <laughs> if I if I wasn't uh, a guitar player, I would just want to write comedy sketches. Oh man! Yeah, I, I want to be a voice actor. Yeah, yeah. man. Oh. Every every comedian. You can be it all. Be- and every musician wants to write sketch comedy. That's true. <laughs> I, I, oh, I love it. I Brandon, awesome. wait till you get to read stories to your kids, man. All the voices oh, you get to do. Dude, like, and it's totally cool. Like, Nobody's going to give you any like weird faces for it. The tale of the screw. Hello, son. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let me tell you a tale. Let me tell you a tale. And it just happens automatically. It's not like I sat there and go, I'm going to give this voice. A, the next thing you know, I'm do, voicing over his Yeah, but you have like seven characters and you're like, crap, which accent did I use for that character? <laughs> the next day, they're all totally different. Like yeah. one day, it's easy to stay focused. The next day, it's like. Yeah. It's it, like a mix like, of oh, Australian, a little bit of like. Yeah. Right. 
They're like yesterday like, yeah, a Northern Irish accent, but today he's very deep South. Like he's That's from right. Cork. <laughs> I like the idea of like of Matt having a kid and he's like reading a story to them, but like he's just like living out his dream of being a voice actor. <laughs> right. so he's just like, reading. He's reading lines just like, <laughs> like in succession for one character. Like, what are you doing? Ah! No, I got all the parts highlighted. <laughs> And he's like, wait, let me do that one again. <laughs> a little bit more bravado on that one. <laughs> I'm going to read that again. Bro. Take the tape again. Ready? Yes. He's like, uh, he's like uh, <clears throat> it's no Sobs. <laughs> have you guys, have you ever, have you guys ever seen that show, uh, Toast of London? No. <laughs> okay. You, it's, I've only seen parts of it. It's really, it's, it's funny. One of the guys. I don't know if he was in. I want to. Feel, I feel like one of the mighty Boosh guys is in it. Oh man, okay. uh, I can't remember though. So he's like also Noel. Noel. Uh, no, I honestly, honestly, man, I can't. I don't know any. I can't remember anyone's names. Oh. But it's it's an English. It's an English show. I think it's on Netflix. Um, the main guy is also in another show, like a comedy vampire show called like What What We Do, what we do with the Shadows. What we do in the shadows. Oh, it's God, it's one of the it's, it's it's one of the main guys from that show. Is all he plays this like guy like actor type. But there there's a sketch where he's doing a voice. So he finally has a gig, and it's just for a commercial. And he comes in. He's in the booth. They're just like, we need you to say yes. <laughs> like, okay, oh, okay. And he's just like, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, and he does like twenty eight times. Like, can you just, just, just say, just say yes? And finally, they're like, "All right, we've had enough." And they ask somebody else, and they, they just get some. They ask a question. They say, "Hey, hey, do you, uh, hey, man, we're ordering you, you, we're ordering food. You want anything?" Yes, and they just like record it. <laughs> but it makes me think of that the voiceover acting thing of just like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that again. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yes. So like affirm. We need you to affirm. Yes. That reminds me. Uh, Trey Parker was. What was the? What's the? Not the uh, the one cartoon movie that came out. It's not South Park, but the one he did the voice of like the bad guy. But I guess he went in and normally like on South Park, he has to always tell people to be more animated. But apparently on this movie set, like he did his thing, and they're like, "Can you bring Whoa. it down a little bit, Trey?" <laughs> Was he's this Despicable Me Three? Yeah, Despicable Me Three. Yeah, which is great because he's oh, the bad yeah. guy. It's awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, you know what I like in a bourbon is like <laughs> really fine grains that they choose to age with their whiskey. You know, but the white oak barrels and like being aged in Claremont County, Kentucky, that's like a really big thing for me. It's the air there. It's different. The air there. It's just different. And then it's like this signature sweetness <laughs> with a little bit of char. You know. Are you um, reading it off their website? <laughs> it looks like you're reading it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh man! I am. You know, oh, you, man. YouTube's gonna when when I put this video up, it's gonna be like, "Is this a paid for thing?" And I'll be like, "No." And they're like, "We're pretty sure it's a paid for thing. We're gonna take the video down." And they're they're gonna send it to Knob Creek, and then Knob Creek. Will yeah, like, that, that, you love these guys. Get free bourbon. They're dope. <laughs> that would be awesome. I did discover. Actually, my wife discovered. We 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 went out. What was it? Two nights ago. Two nights ago, and we were at some sushi place, and they had this great bourbon drink 
that was bourbon with like a peach schnapps and ginger ale. Mm. Very easy to make, just straight like that. One to one with the schnapps and the, the bourbon and then top it off with ginger ale. Oh, dude, it's deadly. It was like, this is really, really good. And sure enough, I went home and look, oh, I have, okay. Uh, yes, I had Knob <laughs> Creek and, <laughs> you know, the triple sec and bloop, bloop, bloop. Oh, it was actually better at home because it was Knob Creek, of course. Yeah, they gave us some <laughs> Jim Bean thing at the at the restaurant. You know what the hell? So even though we told them, would we like Jim too? Of course. Yeah, Jim's nice. Jim is nice. The, uh, uh, you even asked for Knob Creek, but they're like, we actually don't carry Knob Creek because it's too good. <laughs> this is a sushi place. What do you think we have that here? <laughs> Where do you think you are? <laughs> we like pe- people wouldn't order sushi anymore because they just be ordering Knob Creek all the time. Right. <laughs> no, <laughs> sir, we won't dip your rainbow roll. In the I, like to, I like to dip my salmon in it. <laughs> exactly. There's no more soy sauce. It's Knob Creek. It's just Knob Creek. Knob Creek umani. Or ma- what is it? Umami. Umami. Soy sauce. Yeah. Umami. Umami. Oh my god. <laughs> This is classic material. This is yeah. genius. This is too much fun. <laughs> oh, what's he got going on? <laughs> what are you doing I, over there? I, I'm looking for my damn nail kit. I lost my thumbnail. Well, I mean, I still have it, but I lost my acrylic part. And it's like I'm nervous to go to sleep without fixing it. Oh, do you use, uh, use, use press-ons? Uh, no. I Well, okay. I do this. If I find my nail kit, I'll tell you. See you later, man. Sorry. <laughs> Good night. See <laughs> you later, man. Oh, there he is. All right. Just Sorry, for- man. I want to hear more about the nails. All right. No, here we go. So this is what I do. I have a uh, – I take a ping pong ball. Mm-hmm. You can see it. Oof. This is a ping pong ball or what's left of it. What once was. What once was. And I take these uh, handy-dandy scissors and I cut out sections of it to fit under these three fingers, the index, the middle, and the ring finger, or oh, wow. IMA. And uh, – <clears throat> Did he leave or did I offend him? Yes. <laughs> I don't want to talk about he fingernails. Ping pong. I need not creak. <laughs> it's, 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 it's mostly it's the ping pong thing. He just really has this weird. He won't talk about it. It's, yeah, it's, it's strange. So, no, I do that for these three fingers and uh, I super glue them on and then I shape them down because my wow. nails have all types of hooks and they're just. Yeah. And I would shred them so much when I would play. Like, I'd practice for hours and hours, and I'd just lose the nail. It just wouldn't yeah. stay. So my teacher, I'll never forget that lesson. It was like an hour long of him doing my nails with the ping pong balls. And I'm just like, this is odd, but okay. Everyone I know who studies classical guitar tells those funny stories of, like, earlier on. Be like, yeah, like, one of the one of the first things you do with your teacher is he, he, he does That's your right. nails. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do the same thing. I mean, I teach this at uh, Kenyon College. So it's like, that's exactly what I do. It's like, okay, let's see your nails. Okay. It's perfect. I mean, it's, just, it's part of it. This my dad. Work. Uh, and now with the masks on, it's like authentic to like the salon style and everything. Right. <laughs> and then for my thumb, oh, though, I use yeah. – <laughs> for my thumb, I do an acrylic powder and super glue because my thumbnail, it, it has hooks, but I really like the shape just yeah. naturally. So the acrylic powder over top just makes it so that I, it doesn't break. You know, it's like yeah. – and I get so Didn't you say you just lost your thumb? I just, I didn't, it didn't come off, like the the nail itself didn't break. I just took the acrylic off. 
Like it was every like week and a half, two weeks, it starts to peel and just comes right off the top. So it's like, all right, another super glue dip done. You know, then I don't have to worry about it. And it's like I, your own fiberglass. Exactly. It's that's literally what it is. I did the. I made a huge mistake though the other week and dumped this whole thing on my carpet. That was that's been my nightmare scenario for like ever since I started doing it. I'm like, one of these days I'm just going to make that mistake. So I was super careful and I set it on a piece of paper and I like grabbed the paper to move oh. it. Ah! Like I salvaged a good amount. I mean, this has been this, this is like five years old. You nice. know, I used it for one nail, but it's just the way. My my dad, um, my dad plays guitar. And uh, he he spent a good few to several years where he was when I was a teenager studying classical. It's something he it always it's something he developed an interest in interest in a little later. Um, so he spent a lot of time like, studying and practicing a lot. But I remember the the nail the whole nails thing, and he his were all natural. He he was able for the most part to keep all natural nails, and I remember the different. The files and shaping them and the whole deal it was, it was i hate your dad no offense but i hate yeah. him there's like special dad. people that seem like they have nails made out of steel yep but he, he and the right shape too it was just, his thumb his thumbnail gave him problems same thing you play a little bit and not as much from playing but one day you know just from just living life and he also he plays electric guitar too and it was he had to be careful whenever he'd play some electric guitar it was you know, you're, you're so close. It didn't take much. You brush one of those round, round strings a few times. And it, like I said, all of a sudden you have just enough of a nick where that whole thing's going to come off. You know, the whole edge is going to tear off. So That's right. literally what I was just complaining about to Tim the other day because, uh, you know, I'm trying to <clears throat> get some form of a jazz chop thing going. Uh, and so I, I'm like, yeah, my I and M chops, like I alternating for doing lines and stuff like that. It's like that's coming a huge amount. You know, I'm practicing on my uh, nylon guitar, but then he's like, oh yeah, you should just do that with everything. I'm like, dude, I can't, I can't do that on a steel string. I might as well just rip them right off. Oh yeah, yeah it'll, like, it'll instantly shred you. Yeah, it's like I got, and I mean, the unfortunate thing is, is like I can't serve two masters. I gotta, I gotta pick one, and this is what I'm kind of stuck in sure. at, at least with that. So it's like, this gets me money. The other one is I'm learning a ton, and I'm gonna still do it, but I can't sacrifice moneymaker for that. I know that's jazz on a nylon string. Oh yeah, I, obviously. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna work that Stella up. I'm totally am. It's gonna yeah, be so. So I'm taking on the Bach um, nine nine eight. Preludes, the prelude. Well, yeah, I'll probably do the whole thing. So the prelude, the fugue, and the presto. But I, I have the prelude worked up. So he, since I was doing that, he's gonna do Stella, and I'm making nice. him. So he's taking. Oh. He he got that uh, Kreisberg. Um, we can't mention Stella on this podcast. This is a Knob Creek podcast. The Knob Creek show. <laughs> Stella by Knob Creek. <laughs> <laughs> Or Knob Creek by Starlight? I don't know. <laughs> there we go. Date, date night with the boys. <laughs> but he, he grabbed the Kreisberg arrangement. You know that one? If, if you guys seen that. Yeah, yeah. But he's, yeah. he's doing it more like a classical guitarist. I'm like, it's a cool arrangement. <laughs> but I got sucked in. Like, if you're going to do jazz, then we're going to have to work on some other stuff. So I'm trying to get him to do it. The not just play an arrangement. <laughs> Not right here. Yeah. 
So I'm not studying it and seeing how he. No, that piece would be pretty sweet. As like an encore, a classical thing. Yeah, man. Well, you get, cool. get, quit bouncing me around, damn it! You know, it's like I get into You're it. You're doing it I, anyway. Well, I mean, I mapped it out. I was like, all right, this is where I'm going to play it. You know, I particularly bought the arrangement that didn't have the tablature in it, so I could just look at it like the notes and be like, how would I put this under my fingers without, you know, in one sense, like I don't mind the tab in just for studying that particular guitar player's style, it's like, okay, well, this is how he would voice it. And so where I would play it here in this way to lead to this, he does it there, you know, on the guitar or whatever. Um, but I just, I wanted something that, and this, I loved it. It was just totally blank with just the notes and that's it. I'm like, sweet. This is exactly what, how I want to be able to engage it. No additions with saying fingering here and so on. It, you, you can refer to one, you know, if I wanted to, but it, in the most of it is just totally blank and I can interpret it how I would just right out the gate and then solve the problems as they come up, quote unquote. <laughs> that's, that's the way that I like to do it. It's like, it, yeah. don't, don't tell me exactly where it's at. And I, lo- I would love if they did that with every edition of guitar music. Like, put it out where it's like, here's all the notes. Okay, this is how this other guy fingers it. So you can at least go into it with your own... Because it's automatic to an extent with reading music so much and all the fingerings, it's like, okay, that's where he does it. You just go to it versus being like, well, I kind of like it here, you know, and that's, I don't think it's loot. If it doesn't distract from the music, like if it serves a song, totally fine in that way that you're doing it. I normally just, all right, I'll tell my students that. I'm like, does that work? You're keeping the lines. Okay, that's fine. I'm not going to say do it exactly like it. Unless we're doing an etude. If it's a study, then I'm a, like, what the hell are you doing? It tells you to, this is a reason, there's a reason why this guy is making you do this this way. And that's to get a particular concept on the guitar. Outside of studies, it's kind of like freeform yeah, jazz explosion. Absolutely, man. Out. Adam, you ever check out Gene Bertoncini? No, doesn't ring a bell. He's a jazz guy who plays like a nylon string classical exclusively plays nylon string classical guitar the nails the whole deal and how, how do you spell burton sini is it b e r t is it e n or o n Coleman, do you know is it b e r t o n c i n i it's like that a, is italian it. yeah it's like it's like pepper and sini but burton sini instead <laughs> <laughs> i think it's spelled k n o b C-R- <laughs> oh, no. oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. I was gonna say earlier, like if you're having nail problems, I find that <laughs> the uh, the aging process that Knob Creek uses for their whiskey often puts off extra alcohols, including phenol, cresol, xylenol, and guaiacol, which can be used to distill down into what we know as nail polish remover. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that an ad for Knob Creek, or is that a knock on Knob Creek? <laughs> I'm just saying. They, they, I was uh, gonna say, like, I don't know anybody who generate more products. I don't know anyone who regular drinks regularly drinks Knob Creeks that has any nail problems. Yeah, I <laughs> think it actually strengthens the alpha keratin in your fingernail. <laughs> oh my god, the, the tensile strength is uh, tensile strength. Wow, tensile <laughs> strength. Yeah, wow. that's a deep term. That's 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 getting into some engineering stuff, Tim. You got to help us out there. But when yeah. I when I haven't had enough Knob Creek, though, I usually just dig through Ben and Matt's trash and glue their fingernail clippings onto mine. So. 
That does happen. I kid you not. There have been guys that this would... This one was perfect. Yep. He's like, I would scrounge my dad's toenails. And I'm like, that's... That's a level of commitment I would Ooh. probably not do. And just epo- epoxy him, epoxy him to your nails. Oh, that's incredible. But that's like a, a like well, wind instruments, right? The the reed instruments. They have like their A's, their B's, their A pluses. They like mark all the reeds. And you like mm-hmm. never use the A pluses or whatever. <laughs> you gotta have your A plus uh, Dad's nail. Tenor. Like this is for the Carnegie Me- or the Carnegie uh, Hall performance yeah don't, don't want to use it up no, this is the best one ever yeah yeah no, so it, glad it, i don't have to deal with any of that yeah you know it was one of those things brutal halfway through my graduate degree i uh switched to full acrylics like i would go to a salon just because the acrylics were like you could just hit anything and it wouldn't do anything to them it was like this is great yeah, yeah. and the tone was a like above average it was like all right this works but you couldn't get like a Ponticello that would actually really get like that nasally type of thing, which is gone. It is, would never happen. No. So I was like, Ugh. and it used to bother me. It, it it didn't bother me at first. Cause I was like, the utility is great. I don't have to worry about like, what am I doing with my left hand? I could work in the yard. It doesn't matter, whatever. And it was every six weeks I'd go. So it was, the maintenance was great. And then once I graduated and I got, into teaching and performing a lot more i'm like you know i really miss that tone so just for the hell of it i decided to grow them out and put the ping pongs on and like the first note was like oh my god all right that's it i'm back never again yep that's i got my uh huge bag bag of clippings (laughs) ping pong balls the ping pong balls yeah so and that um, um if half of them are in that drawer because they fell out of the bag, so it's like that's just that should that's, last me a long time. That's, that's, that's how fun. many goes through in a month. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a week and a half. A week and a half for a, a, a ping pong ball. Two weeks. Are you, a, are you a Franklin guy or a Steiger guy when it comes to your <laughs> ping pong balls? <laughs> I'm on the three star ones that I got from China. Three star. Okay. But, yeah. uh, you know you, you know, should, but, Adam. Yeah, you need to do. You need to do a comparison. I did. Way back, I did. It was Stiga the whole way. Stiga? Stiga? Yep, absolutely. I would, like, go to Dick's to, abs- to, to find that particular three-star Stigas that would, like, because I remember I had a master class with Jason Vio, and the night before yeah. I redid my nails, and I had some, like, generic ping-pong ball that was, like, I put them on, and you could just bend them back. There was no strength to them whatsoever. I'm like, oh my god. I Like, I have 24 hours from him in front of this famous guitar player playing for him, and I just screwed up my whole damn nails. So I'm sitting there, like, I ran to the store, I bought some acetone nail polish remover, because that'll melt the plastic, and I'm like this for like an hour and a half in front of the TV, waiting for these things to dissolve, you know, and then I put on the Stiga ones, and it's like, I put them on too far, and the, my fingers are bleeding, and it hurts because of the acetone, and it's like, just for the music! <laughs> you know <laughs> this is for this is suffering and you know it uh, it went great the next day but i was like oh my god and that was also part of the reason that it was like perhaps acrylics are solved this problem and uh yeah so but now it, i'm a little bit more experienced with that it makes sense though that the ping pong balls could sound different i mean it's like it's like different picks and materials and gauges and the, the shape of the edge like it that's exactly what it is. It, it's, I mean, it can be super subtle, but it absolutely, you spend enough time with it, you hear those differences. Did you that ever try to fun. get like Olympic quality though, Adam? How do you know? 
regulation. Yeah, what do you think Stega threes are, man? Those are the top tier. That's How like do, is it know, like fourteen dollars for six? Is it fourteen dollars for six ping pong balls? And one of them was orange, so I'd suffered through the orange nails because <laughs> That's I was pretty gonna, cool though. It's just like I'm just gonna do this. I was on my honeymoon with my wife, and everybody's like pulling my wife aside, going like, "Um, what's up with his fingers? What's this guy's deal? Yeah, uh, what's going on? Are you, you sure had the you orange ones on then? <laughs> and uh, I don't remember. Probably not, because uh, <laughs> the wedding, uh, none of the wedding photos had my orange fingernails. They had my the uh, it was all white type of thing. I like the idea of there being like an underground market for like classical guitarists that use <laughs> ping pong balls used in like ping pong championships. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, man, my thumb. This is like Wang Shiba's Nitaku yeah. three star that he 2018. used. 2018. 2018, <laughs> man. Like World Championships. <laughs> some dude's aging. This is the ball. In Okinawa. Yeah. You should have seen that ace he got on Wang Jugong, man. He just nailed it. Mm, yeah. It was the ball that did it. That's the ball, and it's got it's got haunting mids, bro. It's got haunting mids. <laughs> <laughs> but this goes to eleven. It goes to eleven. <laughs> the sustain on this guitar, sustain. <laughs> it's it's still ringing. <laughs> don't even look at it. You don't don't look at it. Oh, yeah, no, don't even don't. Oh, God, such a good movie. I actually tell my students at the beginning of the semester, you're going to need to watch this movie. Or yeah. You're not going to get any of these jokes. Please do. Like, just Please go watch it. and watch Spinal Tap. You have to. Otherwise, they're all going to fly. Spinal Tarp. <laughs> that, that was about to fly out of my mouth right there. Wow. Smell, smell the glove. That <laughs> <laughs> picture with a picture of a lady with a... Oh, God, oh, oh my God! <laughs> or when the, that album is just black, yeah. you know, like it's like the it's like the glove, and it's like up here. You smell the glove. <laughs> oh my God, that was such a good scene. I don't know how they made like it. Th those movies with those guys were all improvised. Like they just yeah, set up a scene amazing. and then they just like went, and it's like, oh, how the hell do you keep a straight face? Like so good, oh. it's beautiful. It's classic. Yeah. <clears throat> Never mind. Uh, Waiting for Guffman. Did you see that one? Yep. Which yep. is part of that. What's what's the girl's name? The brown hair. Uh, why am I blanking on her name? It's not Penny something, is it? Like Piper. Piper or whatever. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So, um, Parker Posey. Parker Posey. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. So they're doing the in Waiting for Guffman and the, they're like do, putting like the community play on or whatever. And you were talking about the the sketches thing, so they kind of give them a hint like what their characters are, right? So they have to they come up with these sketches on their own, and so they she came in and it was like an audition to be in the play, and it's like the the funniest scene ever. But they actually couldn't use it in the movie because they're like dying laughing the whole time, like they can't <laughs> they can't help it. But she keeps character like the whole time, so they put the it in the extras. So you have to oh, look up yeah. the Parker Posey audition it's amazing i gotta check that out, like, check that out. it's amazing. waiting for, for guffman best in show home for porum uh and the mighty wind yeah, yeah, yeah. they're oh, all awesome great movies. the mighty wind was classic oh yeah classic. what was i think I've seen, what was the mighty wind i think i've seen that one what's that what's the singing the groups the, all the folk bands it was uh, all it was like spinal tap but following folk groups i'm trying to I don't know if I've seen that. Maybe I've seen part of it, and that one rings a bell. Maybe I have. I don't know, but that's that's so good. 
Right. Best in show too. The best in show is the dog best one. It's about to say yeah. The the do- the that show is amazing. Parker Posey is awesome in that one too. It's outstanding. God, it's so good. Macadamia nuts, corn nuts, <laughs> peanut. Good God, those are great. Oh, man. Christopher Guest. Yeah, didn't he just pass away? I hope not. Within the last couple of years, I think he did. Did he? Oh. A random surfing the internet. I'm going to check. Let's see. Check it out. <laughs> Get off of Knob Creek's homepage. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep that up on one of the... Keep it yeah. up on your other tabs. Make sure keep you keep Knob it in your browsing history. You always <laughs> he, want Knob Creek in your history. He ain't dead. He's not? One of them no. did. Oh, the guy from the bass... No, the bass player is still alive, but the bass player from <laughs> Spinal Tower. Like... <laughs> <laughs> the drummer's dead. <laughs> of course he is. Yeah. He can bust it. <laughs> always, always with a new drummer. Oh my god, that was the best running gag. <sighs> but he, uh, uh, what the hell is his name? Derek the, Smalls. Yeah, Derek Smalls. He actually has a series of CDs. Really? Like full him playing bass, and he does all the lyrics. But he brings in like. Steve Vai, Joe Satriani, Jeff Beck to play guitar on these things. And it's all comedy albums, and they're hysterical. Oh, my gosh. It's it's great. They did a thing. This was years ago. I mean, this must have been. And this was like mid-late 2000s. I don't know if they played at. They played at one of the big charity festivals. They played at Live Aid or something. Like, there was... There there was a Live Aid or one of those in, like, 2006 or seven. And Spinal Tap played... (laughs) And what was really funny is they, you know, they do the song Big Bottom. And part of the joke is they got like every other musician from every other band to like come out on stage with a bass. <laughs> so like all the band, all the band, like everyone in the band had a bass on. But they, but what's funny is they kept announcing, they're like, and on bass. Like, like it was like Robert Trujillo from Metallica and, and also on bass. And it was like every everyone in the festival, like the stage was lined with all these people playing that that riff, and it sounded hilarious. Like, burp, burp. It, was, it was like it was like it was like twenty people all with basses, like James Jason or not Jason Newstead. He is a, he wasn't in the band at the time, but like um, like James Hetfield, like everybody, everyone is out there with basses. It's bass it's on bass on bass. Really good. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. so good. And also on bass. Also on bass. <laughs> on the lead bass guitar. And on bass. <laughs> yeah. On the rhythm bass guitar. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> too good. It's too good. The picture of the album literally had a lady with a dog collar on and somebody shoving a glove in her face. <laughs> that isn't gonna fly. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the Fran Drescher is saying it, so it like makes it even more nasally and annoying. It's <laughs> so good. Oh god, just perfect. Now I gotta watch that Let's see what the issue is. I love that. It's like what? Yeah, exactly. It's uh huh. Uh, they did black the black album before it was cool. It's so good. True. <laughs> <sighs> And there it is. I've successfully recovered my thumbnail. Polished and good. Hell yeah. It was entertaining for all of us. Yeah, you know, there's nothing like watching me use my 2400 grit 
3,200 grit. I'm thrilled. Grit, 6,000, 8,000, 12,000 grit. The policy wow. that's, that's some fine shit. Yep. Oh, yeah. It does make a difference. It's one of those things. It absolutely does. Um, people think it's weird, but it, it, we all got our, like I was talking with a, one of my colleagues was from China and she was saying in, out there that the, some of the guitar players would use like just leather pieces of leather to polish their nails, like whatever they could get their hands on to just get their nails to do their thing. She was a hell of a player too. She should have beat me in the competition, but she had a huge memory slip in the middle of one of the pieces. Bummer. And I was like, yeah, she came back stage and I felt bad for her and, and not so bad at the same time. You know, it was like, yeah, I kind of moved up a little bit. So, <laughs> but at, it, she, she, she was brilliant. Holy cow. Wow. <clears throat> It came down to the ping pong balls, I believe. Bone <laughs> balls. Or was that acrylic time? She had too much Knob Creek before and yeah. kind of had a small memory slip on the performance. Right. No, she didn't. She used something else, obviously. Yeah, she was more. She was drinking Four Roses. <laughs> oh man, that, that's really going to the bottom of the barrel on that one. <laughs> Four Roses. Like, Holy man, God. with the you doing all this ping pong ball stuff, man? You could say like the. Tone is in the balls, man. That's right. Tone is in the balls. <laughs> That'd be a great shirt. That's a great t-shirt. Oh, my God. There's be like seven people that got the joke. Oh, yeah. It's so <laughs> worth it. Incredible. Oh, the my God. Holy the crap. The tone I wonder if they could the put like a so, like ping balls. pong ball into your shirt. <laughs> like right here. Yeah. <laughs> Naturally. Duh. Oh, jeez. This is this is gonna be one of those episodes where it's like our political careers are over, but it was so worth it. Worth it. Descent into madness. Is it no all press, for- good press? Isn't that what we learned recently? Yeah, that's true. That is true. The spectacle owns us. It's the spectacle. I do it for the spectacle. Are you gonna have this whole thing? Is that how it goes? You just dump it up there? Dump it out there? This will since it's longer, probably at least be two. That's fair. Think. We've been we've been at it for a minute. Yep. My God, what fun! Yeah, hopefully everybody else listening is having fun. You know, if they've stayed of around, of course they are. Why they're yeah. drinking their Knob Creek? Wait, is this is this live broadcast? No, <laughs> recording it. Do one of those. We are going to dump it. Good. It'll be uh, audio and YouTube. Yep. Nice. So, like literally every place you can potentially put a podcast, it'll be there. Really? Some obscure Russian thing in the middle of his best. Ex- Wherever it stands. That's, one, that's what we do At well the, in Russia. All the stands. <laughs> yeah, all the stands got it. The torrents, on the torrent sites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be that day. It's just like, oh, yeah, I bootlegged your thing off the Pirate Bay. Somebody, yeah, somebody is for free. Okay. <laughs> you managed to bootleg a podcast? <laughs> that's I spent all night downloading your podcast. <laughs> you I streamed it. For free. I got a letter from Comcast saying they were going to shut off my internet because I pirated your podcast. That's how committed I am. Incredible. Thank you. I think. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, that'll be the day somebody comes with a tattoo of wood, air, and metal around their chest. It's like, um, wood, wood, air, metal, wham, wham, wham. Yeah. Love it. (laughs) <laughs> did you just say Wamet? <laughs> what? Did you do some type of Kirk Hammett joke with a WAP pedal? I, I, I didn't, but I wish I did. <laughs> that, that's that's way better. better. 
right. totally let's, heard the whammy. Let's go with that. Let's right. go with that. Kirk Whammet. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we are we are really pushing ourselves with this. This is good. It's good though. It's good. If only we had more liquid encouragement. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> He's drinking too fast because it's too good. Yep. One of these days we'll follow through. It'll be good. Yeah. Sit there with a bottle and a straw. A straw. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to have to keep like tilting it up. That's going to be annoying. Like to a edit. long straw too. The like... camelback. <laughs> yeah. Or the, the the beer hat. Just have two bottles. <laughs> no, Can you imagine that? Oh my god. When I tailgate, <laughs> my hat is equipped with two bottles, two fine bottle bottles of Knob Creek, two oh, giant glass bottles of Knob Creek, yeah. the whiskey harness. <laughs> that's a, that's a song name right there, whiskey harness. Sitting <laughs> out in the sun. <laughs> I want to invent the burr bonnet, which is you tie it. And it's just like a little beautiful Easter thing. <laughs> <laughs> Two bottles of bourbon. Man. Contained. Hanging out over the grill. Yeah, there is a spot to it, though. Yeah. <laughs> Not like a part of the design. They're just, they're just taped on. They're just taped on. <laughs> Very little thought went into the attachment process. Yeah. The bourbon. The bourbon. Pat pending. <laughs> uh, that's probably taken it's so good it it's probably be. taken uh, it might be it might be <laughs> unbelievable you just need to like change one small thing and then you can respell it and it's that's totally right cool. yeah absolutely it only works with knob creek bo- or knob creek bottles <laughs> <That's though. right>. <laughs> <laughs> the duct tape is specially formed for those yeah <laughs> Design. Yeah, <laughs> the Knob Creek bottle was, you know, designed with taste in mind. Unlike the competition, <laughs> that I could just put in any bottle. Those other bottles. And you know what pairs well with Knob Creek is a good old rat. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Fresh rat. <laughs> now we just lost our sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> no, it. It's an ongoing joke. We were so close. Uh, blew it. Rats. I feel like I think that uh, Knob Creek goes best with like large muroid type rodents like <laughs> Dipodimus or Bandicota. Neotoma is more of like a species that pairs well with something like I don't know, something high end like Pappy Van Winkle. But Knob Creek being like that high end consumer grade, something we all love. It kind of goes well with the large subspecies of rodentia found throughout <laughs> The Midwest, you know. You, you and the internet are a dangerous combination for the depth of the jokes. <laughs> let's get to the surface, but let's go into species-specific rat jokes. <laughs> because why not? Outstanding. Wow. I'd say there's also special blends of Knob Creek that can, you know, compete with Pappy Van Winkle, obviously. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, uh, And Pappy Van... Pappy Van... God, it's so past my bedtime. (laughs) It's more of lack of availability than pure exclusive taste with that one. If I'm remembering... 
I've had Pappy wanna... before, and honestly, I like Knob Creek better. <laughs> I, I second that. that. Yeah. I, I second that. And again, I'm not saying that. I was at a wedding. I had the pet, and then I had the uh, not went right for the Knob Creek after that. Yeah. Uh, a uh, friend of mine, I was um, hanging out with a couple friends last week, and he had a bottle of something I'd only I'd only ever seen it once before, and he had it the last time, but he had a bottle of this stuff called Whistle Pig. Have you ever seen or had that? It's not, I have not. It's definitely it's definitely a top shelf bottle. I know it's not. They're not cheap, but man, this was this this is some serious some serious whiskey, man. It's like Canadian. It's like Canadian rye or something. Nice, but it it just it just goes down. That, it was very very that's thrilling. That's thrilling. Yeah, salad, salad. It starts with an S. Something rye. Solinsky, no, not Solinsky. Yeah, right for a bourbon. Um, um, God, I'll, I I got to look it up. But that's been that has been my poison. I mean, I'm I'm more of a Scotch guy personally, like all about Scotch. But if I if I'm in the mood for it, a good bourbon, and this is one of those good bourbons where it was just like I I uh, I drank how much? Oh, no. you know, yeah. oh no! <laughs> and I go through phases of drinking, and this started the like we were over at a friend's house, and he had a bottle, and the, between him, me, and my wife, we we finished it. It, it was just like, Dang. yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, this was over the course of like five hours, so yeah. it wasn't like we were plastered or anything like that. But it was just it just went down so easy, you know. You know the- yeah, but the, the whistle pig is like that. Is like if 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 you've got some time and like a couple of friends, it's really easy to just. It's really easy to put it down. Yep, it's one of those. Yeah. Yep, that was the the problem of. I think the most expensive bottle that I've had in my house was a bottle of McAllen eighteen, and that was very very v- tasted too good, too good. Okay. Like I've had stuff I don't think- good. Yeah, I don't drink to get drunk, like intentionally, like to get plastered yeah. or anything like that. But when it tastes that good, that's that's a problem because yeah, something that strong, it's that smooth, is yeah. it's easy to get. Oh, yeah, definitely. You put your feet down and you go to stand up, and it's like all of a sudden. Oh no! So yeah, sometimes it takes a little while to set in too. Like that, that that would happen if you're just hanging out in one spot, just talking. Like you could, you could just talk for hours and just keep sipping. And it's when you start walking or you start moving around and then all of a sudden, like, it, here it is. Like, oh, man. Oh. Hello. And then you pay very hard. Especially, what? that's why I watch it now. I did, in my 20s, sure. But now, no, no thanks. Yeah. That bill is too big. <laughs> it's gonna require, and trust me, Brandon, after your bundle of joy arrives, that bill gets very, very big. It's oh, like, yeah. Oh wait, you're you don't sleep. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm gonna die. So. See you later, man. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. It's great. Mine are ten and seven, so it's uh, much, oh, much easier now. It's like, that's awesome. oh man, the sleepless nights are the that's awesome. Who would you rather wake you up at two in the morning than your kid? It's the best. That is true. <laughs> it's great once, <laughs> and then at two forty-five, and I'd ever buy it, I guess, but. I didn't mind it too much, but Sam was like always up with colic between one and five o'clock in the morning. That's like, fun. Constant screaming from one to five and just holding him and walking back and forth. It was 
that was like I my parents weren't crazy. They were just sleep deprived. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they, they didn't hate they didn't hate me. They didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do on forty five minutes of sleep for the third night in a row and you have a screaming kid? I don't, <laughs> I don't plan on finding out. Yeah. It, it got better. It really did. At about six yeah. months he's fine like all that went away and I remember at like eight months he finally slept through the night. We both woke up at like seven o'clock in the morning, we're like what the hell? <laughs> like, it was like we were rested, and then we we're like, "Crib, crib," you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, he's alive. He's alive. Holy crap! We just got s- seven hours of sleep without a problem. What? What happened? Mm-hmm. Oh. It's like I always think about the the Turner phrase, like, "Oh man, I'm gonna sleep like a baby tonight." Like thinking, you you're gonna like, sleep like shit." Tonight. Yeah, that's exactly. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna sleep like a baby. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna and scream. And be hungry and... and a diaper full of everything. I'm gonna shit myself, throw up on the people around me, and scream. Yep, that's what I'm gonna do. That's it. That's it. I'm it's like a... the perfect meme is that one where it has a child, and it's like whatever people see is like you trying to slowly change a baby's diaper, and it says what I see, and it's like this bomb just waiting to go off, and you're trying to change the diaper so they don't wake up, so you can hopefully put them back down and go and get like another half hour before you have to feed them. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it, it is so. It really is. Once you get into a groove, it's like okay. Second one was a, bl- a breeze compared to the first. It was like, all right, you'll be fine. Here you go. Yeah, yeah. Just change, changing that dirty diaper, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Getting rid of those stools, you know. <laughs> to get them out of there. It it only gets worse when they get into solid food, and then you're like, wow, <laughs> that's that's quite the combination you've produced there. We've really gone. Into the crapper on this, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good place to end, doesn't it?